Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. The opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. How about if we do traffic and weather together? Uh, Just the weather is fine. It's 24 degrees outside. Brooke Grimsley is here. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis is back. Welcome back. Thank you, thank you. You get a better round of applause than uh, Sonny Gray got yesterday. Uh, And and, uh, we're looking forward to a a great day of uh, radio here. On one at one hundred and one ESPN, how's everybody doing? Everybody good? I am doing well. Good, I'm refreshed, and you know, you, you seem refreshed and ready and happy and smiling, ready to roll. I like that a lot. Yes, good time in Denver, as we saw, yes, and that we was, will talk about later. I'm excited yes. to hear about that. I went to a few games in one day. It was a. Uh, Pretty exciting. That's a lot of fun. Double headers like that are great. It was really fun. Yeah, it was yeah. really cool. So it's, it's some of my favorite days are, and, and I don't even know if the the schedules work out this way anymore. I guess if the Cardinals start on the road, but a Cardinal day home opener and then a Blues night game mm. is always a fun doubleheader. Yes, I'm, I would agree with that. Yeah. And, uh, one time, 2017, Cardinals opened on Sunday night baseball. Blues played in the afternoon. My daughter was at Bradley, so I went and picked her up, I think, over the weekend. She came home, went to the Blues on Sunday afternoon, then Cards and Cubs Sunday night opener on Sunday night, and then took her back to Peoria. So she got the kind of sleep before class that I usually did. (laughs) So she got straight A's, though. I did not. Uh, And then here's, uh, so I'm driving back. So Cardinals end at 11 o'clock. And so I get her, I drop her off in Peoria at uh, 1 2 o'clock. And I remember it was cool outside. It was like 40 degrees. And tell me if you've had to do this. I open up the moonroof and I'm blaring as loud as my stereo will go Motown music and singing along to stay awake. <laughs> oh, I'm ready. <laughs> Listen, I have definitely let every window down in the car yep. driving home uh, and like, oh, Jesus, I'm a little tired. Yeah, this is necessary. The cool, cool air is necessary today. So. Oh, All right. Hey, great great news yesterday here in St. Louis. What was that, Randy? Well, it's uh, we, we've got our little machine here that'll tell us. Oh, okay. It's pretty cool. Oh, Sonny Gray, three years, $75 million. He's a Cardinal. He's your number one starter at the moment on November 28th. Sonny Gray is your ace for the Redbirds. How do you feel about that, Randy? I wasn't here well, yesterday, so oh, I, I didn't get a chance to, to <laughs> when the news scary. came through yesterday and, and you, in the morning, I, I wouldn't hear. Uh, so how do you feel? Carrie, we've had this discussion a lot, <laughs> and I think people, we live in a microwave society, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 30 second sound bites tops. Right now. Yes. And I think people think that I don't think that Sonny Gray is a good pitcher, which okay. is couldn't be further from the truth. I think he's fine as a number two or a number three. Mm. But do I want Sonny Gray starting game one of a playoff series against Zach Wheeler or against Spencer Strider or against Walker Bueller or against Logan Webb or uh, against any array of number one starters around the National League? No, I don't. And that's just my opinion. Uh, the guy has a pretty bad record 
a, a nearly five ERA pitching in September. Now he's going to come to St. Louis. He weighs 190, 195 pounds. He's going to pitch through June, July, and August, and he's going to spend a lot of days and nights pitching in 100-degree temperatures. So I just don't think that he is the guy to be the number one. Now, I have my preconceived notions of a number one, too. I have the preconceived notion of the 6'6", 240-pound Chris Carpenter or the or the, the 6'4", 220-pound strapping Bob Gibson or the exceedingly one-tough Dominican Joaquin Andujar. That's my perception of a number one. If the Cardinals and other fans want to believe that Sonny Gray is a number one, I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise. I'm just telling you what my opinion is. And I think that... Uh, I, I, I give the Cardinals credit. They said they were going to go get three starters, and they went and got three starters. And these are three serviceable guys. If they replicate their years that they had in 2023, the Cardinals will be in pretty good shape. My question is, can a starting rotation that averages 35 years of age, and a guy that's going to be 34, and a guy that's going to be 36, and a guy that's going to be 37, are, and Brooke and I talked about this yesterday, are they going to be better the next year? than they were at 33, 35, and 36. I think that would be my main concern is the the age of the pitchers that they brought in. As you said, they, they are older gentlemen uh, in the league. I mean, they're, they're not in life, but just no. as, as professional athletes, when you get to a certain age, you start to decline. Sandy that's Kovacs just, was retired for four years. <laughs> that's, by, that's, how it, yeah. that's how sports yeah, go. Yeah. So you, you, and that's, that. by the way, I just want to make sure that he he had been retired for Kofax for only two years when he was at the age that Sonny Gray is right now. Well, yeah. So, it, I mean, it's going to – they did get guys that are going to eat up innings. That's one of the issues that they mm-hmm. had last year. They did get I, – I guess my concern would be, you know, the swing and miss stuff that we, we talked about that this game is going to because the, the, the banning of the shift, you don't have – opportunities to have three infielders on one side of the field and and really play the analytics so how well will this team will these starting pitchers right. be in that regard are they going to be able to strike guys out or they're going to be able to you know pitch the contact where our defense is uh, those are the questions that are going to be have to be answered yeah well, by the way i was right the first time it was four years for kofax you retired at 30 yeah and well the thing is too is that it was defensively <laughs> Hold on, one second. i just mentioned sunny gray and sandy kofax in the same sentence they're both major league pitchers there you go <laughs> Proud of that. Okay, you're starting to turn around on this Gary. he got a little emo yesterday Did he was in his fields yesterday. He lost it a little bit. I saw saw a clip. Yeah. That, that was, you know, it was just it was just a snippet that was, that was put together. It's my favorite Randy, I told you. It, it is. It's my favorite version <laughs> of him, up, too. Randy. And I, I totally get all this. I think that, is it more the isolating this? Is it more Sonny Gray is your concern about him slotting and being your ace of this starting rotation? Or is it more the rest of this rotation, the question marks surrounding it of, will Miles Michaelis be able to bounce back? Are you concerned about Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson? Kyle Gibson is not exactly a strikeout guy, as you mentioned there. Is there any, is that the bigger concern that you have, the rest of the rotation, or is it that Sonny Gray might have to be the ace of this rotation? That's my concern, because I believe, and I've seen it happen time and time again, a staff falls in line behind their number one, behind their stopper. Sonny Gray, and I know people don't care about the the win statistic, but he won eight games last year. He was eight and eight. And but that's I, more on the team, right? It, well, but here's the thing. The guys that go seven innings and allow one or no runs, team generally wins the game. And he, while he had a great ERA, is not a guy who comes out and gives you seven innings where the bullpen only has to go 
six outs. He he's just not that guy. And there, especially in today's game, there is a place for that. But is he a guy that? Okay, when you, when you have a losing streak, where you say, okay, uh, we're going to it's win day. Is is Sunny Gray win day? He's going to have to be. So. I mean, yeah. it, it, when you you, there are some some numbers that I found intriguing. I was before Sunny Gray signed. I was you know scouring the internet and scouring <laughs> the internet and saw some some numbers. And so, when you look at earned runs allowed for Major League Baseball last season, in the top five, number two, Lance Lynn, mm-hmm. number three, Miles Michaelis, number five, Kyle Gibson, top five in earned runs for twenty twenty. 2023 hits allowed for 2023 number one miles michaelis mm-hmm. number four kyle gibson and number five lance lynn is that a concern for anyone it is yeah so then do you are you falling more in line with it's the rest of the rotation that you're more yeah, concerned like about? you 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 got guys that are giving up earned that that are, that are getting up a lot of hits mm-hmm. that are having a lot of earned runs allowed we saw that lance lynn led the majors in in home runs allowed now Maybe it shifts being here, but Miles Michaelis was here. He he gave up those hits and those earned runs. So that to me is the question. And so when you're talking about you need a stop, you need a guy to go out there and get you that win. Sonny Gray is going to have to be that guy. That's a lot of that's a lot of questions, a lot of pressure, a lot of things to be asked of him in this moment. If the rest of the rotation performs just at the level that they did last year, I think they got better in terms of better pitchers. But those pitchers gave up a lot of hits and a lot of earned runs, and that is a bit concerning. And they're a year older, 35, 36, 37 years old. That, to me, should be more of the concern. Sonny Gray, you know, second in Cy Young Award. That, we can we can be excited about that, but, you know, the rest of the rotation, the Cardinals did something. The question will be that we have to see is did they do enough? Here is Sonny Gray on becoming a member of our St. Louis Cardinals. Going into this thing, I wanted to be a Cardinal. That started probably a little over a year ago. It's a place that every time I've come here as a visitor, I've looked at the stadium and I've said, wow, this place is this place is incredible. Um, I looked around the seats and I've seen the fans and the fans continue to show up and they support this team. And then you, you talk around the league and you talk around different guys who have been all over the place. And um, everybody raves about St. Louis, um, the Cardinals, the fans, the, how the fans support you, how the fans are hard on you, how the, how the fans expect expect you to win, expect greatness, which is something that, as a player, as a competitor, that's something that you that you want. I liked Sonny Gray's press conference a lot. I want to make it clear, I like Sonny Gray a lot. One, he's a Middle Tennessee guy, mm-hmm. so you know how I'm going to root for that. He played for the Smyrna Bulldogs growing up. I was an Oakland High School Patriot. They're about 15 minutes away from each other. Rivals. I didn't get to see him pitch in high school. He's older than me, but I did love watching him at Vandy. This kind of seems like it was going to be inevitable for Sonny Gray to become a St. Louis Cardinal, right? I don't know what it is about... Vandy baseball players, Vandy boys, as they call them, Mm -hmm. and Cardinals, where it just seems like they have like very similar players, which I know that there's a huge difference Mm -hmm. between college and obviously Major League Baseball, but it just makes a lot of sense. And even John Mosaic mentioned at the press conference yesterday that he has really been keeping an eye on Sonny Gray for a long time. And Sonny made it clear he wanted to be here. That seems to be the ongoing theme, right? Mm -hmm. Lance Lynn wanted to be here. Kyle Gibson wanted to be here. Sonny Gray wanted to be 
here. And just reading the tea leaves of what Mosaic was talking about yesterday, it seems like they really just wanted to find security and stability. Get guys who really wanted to be here. Get that secured before the winter meetings that you have coming up. And maybe, hopefully, there could be another trade on the horizon. Because there's also reports, if you guys saw yesterday, that the Cardinals could be shopping Steven Matz. Mm-hmm. Now, if you do go shop Steven Matz and you're able to have Sonny Gray here, which I still think is a good move, if you add another top-tier starting pitcher, and if you're able to get that done with a trade with Steven Matz or maybe some other players, especially all these outfielders that you have available going into the season, I think that that would really change the perspective of the starting rotation going in. If you're especially able to get maybe even a Tyler Glass now or a Dylan Cease Mm -hmm. or... Maybe a Shane Bieber. Oh, Biebs. There you go. Maybe. Four consecutive years of the strikeout rate rate going down. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm just putting him in the list of names that have been out there for mm-hmm. trade talks. But does that change your perspective if, if they're yeah, able it, to do that? If they get a guy who has performed to the level of a number one, uh, yeah, that, that would change things. And it has that, that number one stuff. If you watch Dylan C's pitch, he's got number one stuff. In a free agent year in at the age of 33, Sonny Gray did have his best year. No doubt about that. But I just hope that uh, he's able to sustain that here in St. Louis. You, I mean, Dylan Cease would be, now, if they are able to go out and make that trade after all of these other mm-hmm. additions, yep. now you're looking at the offseason and say, oh, Oh, that was a hell of an offseason. Yes. Glassnow's a beast also, by the way. Tyler Glassnow would be an, an amazing pickup for the Cardinals, but he's another $25 million a year guy. The injury history, though, is what is we've troubling. talked about. And right. Dylan Cease is still, you got a couple more years of arbitration left, and you right. can not have to pay him until 2026. Yep. So that would be something that I think that they would be interested in as well. But your staff better be able to fix him. Because he was in bad culture last year with a bad defense, and I, I think his confidence probably took a hit, and he could probably utilize uh, just a, a little TLC to get him back to where can he I, needs to Can be. I solve the defense? Yeah. For, for the Cardinals? Yeah. Put Mason Winnie shortstop and Tommy Evans in second base. That's a good start. Let's oh, do that. That's a good start. That's Let's do that. Crazy I think, I think Tommy yeah. have yeah. those four infielders, yeah. Goldie Arenado, yeah. and those two at the middle. Think, and and but, we can do that. Our guy Tommy Edmond. I think he's your center fielder, though. I don't want it. I, I know, but I think that's the I way we're going. What, that's, you know, I think that's what they it. like. Yeah. Katie told us yesterday, yeah. Katie Wu was on with us and said, yeah, that's the outfield is going to be Lars, Tommy, and Jordan. I like my gold glove second baseman. I love it too. It's a crazy idea idea here. But here's the dilemma. Here's the conundrum. (laughs) Your best second baseman is also your best center fielder. That's the problem. You need to go find another center fielder. (laughs) Yeah, well, if, if you keep Dylan Carlson on the roster... You've got a chance. And by the way, the yeah, year after, the year after, is it Victor Scott the second? Yes. He's going to be here in 2025. So just have a year where you play Lars in center field, right? I, I, yeah, I'm I, okay with I, that. I agree with you. Yeah. I just don't think that they do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that they see that that no, way. No, no. No, and just real quick, we're getting some texts in where people say, yes, money changes your mind and where it makes you want to be anywhere. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. I was all in on bringing Yoshi here to St. Louis, but didn't you guys get the feeling from the John Mosellock press, press conference yesterday, he kind of keeps mentioning, like, you don't want to be the left standing there yep. in this whole situation. And maybe they really do think that a lot of these other top-tier pitchers, like maybe a Blake Snow, and a Yamamoto that they have no interest of being in the Midwest. Now, that's going to hurt if they go to Chicago, and that's going to be a little bit more painful to take in. But it sounds like they either want to be on the East Coast or the West Coast, and the Cardinals 
knew that possibly or know that, and they wanted to get some security before going into Did you those see discussions. Possibly, Blake Snell banged the drum for the Seahawks game the other day. He's from Seattle and apparently yeah. desperately wants to pitch for the Mariners. And, and be, I think they have home field advantage. I think the Mariners are probably going to wind up with Blake Snell. Make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, is what it is. By the way, uh, just as a note, uh, Sonny Gray and his wife Jessica, by the. Uh, they were uh, married in 2016. They have two sons. Sonny, got a great zoo here. And it's free. There you go. There you go. That's the draw. Yeah. So, He's here now. Yep. You don't have to sell him on it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you don't up. have to sell him. <laughs> coming up here on 101 ESPN, we aren't hearing Eli Drinkwitz's name associated with any of the openings in college football. Is that a good thing? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Live from the Car Shield Studio, this is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. A bunch of fighters, a bunch of guys that believed in each other, a bunch of guys that um, believed in a brotherhood, and they believed that fighting for each other and working for each other and, and putting your e- ego aside and, and fighting for team. And I think it means teams can still win. It's not going to be about the individual player. It's what football is all about. It's about the best team. That's Mizzou head coach Eli Drinkwitz after Mizzou had uh, just hammered Arkansas 48-14 Friday and finished a 10-win regular season, which is pretty darn good when you look at uh, where Mizzou has been. And we tend to look at Mizzou and think of them as underachieving at times, I think because primarily of the Barry Odom era. But if you look at the last decade relative to the rest of the SEC, Mizzou's actually had a pretty good run. Three 10-win seasons, more than Tennessee, more than Arkansas, more than Texas A&M combined. Uh, as many as, more more than Ole Miss, as many as LSU. Uh, Missouri's 10-win regular season total over the, the last decade has been right there with, uh, aside from Georgia and Alabama, the best in the SEC. Now, have they been consistent? Have they had, uh, no, have they had under 500 seasons? Yes, they have. But the fact of the matter is, when you look at their ability to succeed in this conference, it's comparable with anybody else except the bluest of the Blue Bloods. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised that, for example, when A&M opened and Texas A&M hired their former defensive coordinator, Mike Elko, as their new head coach yesterday, that we never saw Eli's name associated with Texas A&M. I, I, I do find that that was interesting because did you guys see the fallout of Stoops supposedly getting the job and yeah. how fans, well, Texas A&M fans, were upset about that? I didn't see anything wrong with that. I think that maybe their expectations were a little bit high. I think some people get too fascinated with the big names, but maybe Eli Drinkwitz didn't even want to be associated with those. Maybe he's not even looking for a job mm. elsewhere unless it helps him get some more money, which is always an option. Mm-hmm. Or, CD, it seems like you're thinking more <laughs> in line with that's not something that they would be looking for yeah, for their program. I think, it, I mean, well, if Texas A&M is calling or one of those programs that are calling to, to offer 60 70 $80 million guaranteed, you're going to listen. And I don't think anybody... Uh, would would you'd be foolish to turn that down or to not even at, at least listen? Um, but I think that despite how well Mizzou has played this year, I don't know that that Drink is, you know, he's not one of those coaches that are on the the hot list just yet. Now, mm-hmm. if you go and repeat this success again next year, then you will have a bunch of schools calling and and clamoring and trying to get a hold of Eli Drinkwitz. But I think he's just for for 
on the outside looking in, I think most teams are saying, hey, that's one very good season by Missouri. They did a really good job. They won the games that they were supposed to win. They lost the games that they were supposed to lose. Um, and so when you're looking at how well this team has been this year, is that a, 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 a reason to go after the head coach right now? Maybe, like I said, next year, if they repeat this success and maybe even go even further, if they make it um, to the SEC championship game with as a one-loss mm-hmm. SEC team or, or a no-loss SEC team, then you're definitely looking at Eli Drinkwitz to, to come and take over your program at that point. But I just don't think this is the time just yet. And I, I look at, for example, and, and not that – this look at Billy Napier. I mean, B- Billy Napier had a, a couple mediocre years and then a couple really good years uh, at Louisiana, right? And Florida hires him. Uh, it happens all the time. Uh, even Eli had one year of head coaching at App State before he got hired. It seems to me that there's always kind of like that that hot name guy, Tom yeah. Herman, when he got hired by Texas. It seems like guys, you get to number 10 and all of a sudden, and basketball too, like the, the coach at USC uh, who had the, the Florida Gulf Coast, and they go on the incredible run. That was the only run yeah. they had, and then he gets hired by USC. It, it seems like many times athletic directors are enamored of one really good year. Yeah, I can see that. I think that they would look at that and say, maybe that should be a possibility. And CD, I think to your point, maybe other programs are looking to see if this is something that isn't just a one year, which I do think that Eli Drinkwitz has obviously built this to this point to what you were able to get the first 10 win season since 2014 for Mizzou. That's a huge thing that they were able to accomplish and what Eli Drinkwitz has done recruiting wise. And now you have the transfer portal. It'll be interesting to see what all shakes out with that with Mizzou and how he handles those situations. But he is going to be getting back Brady Cook. Luther Burden. You mm-hmm. hate to see Cody Schrader go, so hopefully you'll have some guys step into that role. But I do think Mizzou has been a very interesting story. Maybe some other programs are not fully bought into it yet, is what you're saying, right, yeah. CD? And we don't know what e- Eli has instructed his agent to do either. When Michigan called Gary Pinkle, Gary Pinkle turned him down, didn't even take the interview. Uh, when Washington called uh, Gary Pinkle's alma mater, his hero was not his alma mater, but his coaching alma mater, his foundation was built at Washington under Don James. Washington calls and he says, no, I'm, I'm at Mizzou. It could be that Eli has found a comfort zone at the University of Missouri, too. He could have. I mean, it, it, but again, I think when teams call, spe- mm-hmm. specific teams, and, and we're talking about, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to listen for the most part. I, it just It's just how how this this generation goes, how sports goes, how the job market goes. If you are have an opportunity to go coach at a Texas A&M and they want you there, I don't think that anyone would turn that down unless you're coming from, you know, in Alabama or Georgia. Well, and it, are you willing to trade your career for the money? Because Texas A&M is a graveyard, Randy. right? It's a it's a graveyard. <laughs> so if, if you if you don't care about your career, because some people do actually like to succeed. Yeah, but here's the thing: you can succeed with eighty million dollars anywhere, and then uh, not go in be, coaching. You you're never <laughs> you might not see, you and, might and, and never some, you see, may never be a head coach again. You could give me eighty million dollars, but I I would still want to really be good at my job. Yeah, and I I think there are coaches that are that way that want to be really good at their job. They're more interested in being great than having 
ninety million dollars rather than sixty. Do you think Jimbo Fisher is going to ever coach again as a head coach? Uh, he'll he'll be a mid major kind of guy. He'll be, he'll, he'll have the Terry Bowden career. He'll have a, he'll be a head coach somewhere else, and he'll have eighty eighty seven eighty nine million dollars in his bank account. <laughs> yep. And, and see, for some people, money is the end all. That's my point. I, I, uh, money wouldn't be the end all for me. I I, I, I would be more interested in because. How much money can you spend, right? But that's like generational yeah. money. That's but money it, where your kids it, don't have to worry anything. Is sixty million dollars generational money? What's it the, is. What's the difference between sixty if and ninety? If you invest it well, I mean, thirty million. Yeah, the, so <laughs> that's that's the thing. A boat and a yacht. Uh, yeah. it's a, it's way, a boat yeah. and a yacht. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's that's really cool. But I I admire the people that want to be the very best at what they do. Oh, I do too. But I think money ha- changes a lot of people. To be fair, I think that money changes a lot of people's perspectives on a lot of things. Where you could look at that and say, ah, yeah, this is going to be a really really tough job to take on. Because to your point, Randy, yeah, it's a graveyard for coaches mm-hmm. going there. I think that the fan base's <clears throat> expectations are really really high. It seems like it's been hard to really turn this program back to what those expectations mm-hmm. are. But uh, there's a lot of coaches out there that would look at that and say, well, even if it doesn't work out, you're still making a lot, a lot of money. And right. I, I don't think any of them go in there with the mindset, this isn't going to work, this is going to be terrible. They're going to try. They go in there with the mindset, I'm the person that can change this. See, and. And you have to, and, that's the thing, you have to be able to read the room. You're going to pay me this to change yeah. it. You, you have to be able to read the room. I mean, you, you've got uh, Kevin Sumlin. You've got uh, R.C. Slocum, uh, who is the guy that went to Alabama and uh, had the the terrible run at Alabama. Uh, white-haired Texas A&M coach, I forgot his name. I can see his face. Yeah, but I, it's I can see his face. you. You just have to be able to read the room. And oh, by the way, if you are great, I mean, there's nothing <laughs> Eli. There's nothing wrong with him making six million dollars a year. Yeah. At, at the University of Missouri, if, if you're Harbaugh, you're making a lot of money. You're making you were making making nine million dollars a year, and you took a pay cut to like five. Uh, there, there's nothing wrong with making five million dollars a year. Wherever you are, if you win, they're going to want. And you, if you want to stay there, they'll pay you. If you're a Power Five, they'll mm-hmm. pay you. It's it's going to happen. Uh, I, I think it's really interesting that people would trade excellence for money. Yeah, well, you can't put Dennis a price Francione. on it. That's that it. That's about? the guy. Yep, that's that's it. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN coming out, coming up. We're a little bit more from Sonny Gray. You know, uh, they talked a lot in New York about him not being able to handle the pressure, but now he says he wants the pressure. It's an interesting comment from him coming up on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Hetman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One, 
Sonny Gray is now a member of your St. Louis Cardinals, I presume. He's going to wear number 54. Uh, that's the number he's worn through most of his career. And Sonny has had an interesting career. He was really good in Oakland and was one of the most sought-after pitchers in baseball when the A's traded him to the Yankees. With the Oakland Athletics uh, during the course of his career, he pitched really, really well. As a matter of fact, 44-36 and 36 with a 3.42 in a, a place where uh, they, they have a, a great outfield. Uh, in Cincinnati... Really good, 23-20 and 20 with a 3.49 in the SoSo American Ballpark. And then terrific in Minnesota for those two years, a 2.90 earned run average in his two years. But what stands out like a sore thumb is the Yankees, where he was 15-16 and 16 with a 4.51. And when he was pitching in New York, there was always this buzz about how he just couldn't handle the pressure that he wasn't built for New York. Some players are built for New York. Reggie Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, was built for New York. Dave Winfield, probably not. And Sonny Gray was thought of as being a guy that didn't handle the pressure of New York particularly well. We hear all the time about how the Cardinals expect to win, how losing is unacceptable in our town. And it was interesting yesterday when Sonny Gray talked about dealing with the pressure and why he wanted to be here. I think because I, I... Throughout my career, I've been through it. I've been through different places now, different teams, different organizations now. And I've learned and I've grown so much throughout those experiences. I mean, the best way to, the best way to, to learn and, and, and truly get, get better at, at things is to go through it and, and to experience and then to come out the other side and say, you know what, I, I, went, I, went, I went through the ringer. And I came out a better person. I came out a better husband. I came out a better father. I came out a better pitcher. And hopefully those experiences will lead him at the age of 34, age of 35, age of 36, to be a really good Cardinal starting pitcher. But, Kerry, you tell me, because you played with a million guys. Is dealing with pressure, are you able to learn <laughs> through your experiences to deal with pressure? Uh, it's, so dealing with that is you usually either got it or you don't. And that's generally how it is. I don't know that it, it can – I don't think it's a learned trait. I think it's, you know, you show that you have the capability of doing it. I mean, we, we see Clayton Kershaw, one of the greatest pitchers of our generation, when it comes playoff time, whether it's a mental block or it's just him – it doesn't go well. So it, it, this is one of the greatest pitchers to play the game mm-hmm. that, that, I, that that we've seen in this generation. It's, it's mind-boggling that it happens to him, but it's just we know that it's going to happen. So when you are a, a, a guy, a star, it, it, I keep telling you, it, it's like you have blinders on. You don't see anything. One of, one of the best players uh, that I played with in college was Brandon Lloyd. I actually got to see him this weekend in Denver. He was – if you watch uh, – they, they've been giving him his flowers as of late with all of his great catches throughout his entire NFL career. We were teammates in college, and I was laughing at him. I was like, man, the thing I love about you, bro, you literally got one thing in mind, and that is going forward, and everything outside of that does not matter. And so – it's a gift and a curse, but you either have it or you don't. And if you don't have it, it's generally hard to find it. I Yes, I, I totally agree with that. But in this case with the Yankees, because it's really interesting because on foul territory, they were talking about it. Eric Kratz, right? We've mm-hmm. had him on, yep. right? And so he was with the Yankees. 
he basically broke down the whole Sonny Gray situation and put it on the pitching coach, not allowing Sonny Gray to pitch to his strengths. So I do find it encouraging that yesterday in the press conference, it really seems like Sonny Gray is more confident in who he is now and maybe will not fall prey to that. And hopefully the Cardinals won't either because that's something that we've talked about with a lot of the other pitchers, right? Like, of course, you want guys to have a pitching philosophy and having a pitching philosophy is great. They talked about they want to get more swing and miss guys this offseason, and they're trying to implement that. But also just allowing the pitcher to do what they need to do, the thing that got them here in the first place, it seemed like Eric Kratz kind of really put it on the pitching coach for putting Sonny Gray in a situation where he wasn't allowed to just pitch to his strengths and was trying to change him, essentially. Well, hopefully he'll be able to maintain that. And oh, by the way, he has pitched better since he left New York. And he talked about how Cincinnati really straightened him out. But his last year in New York, uh, 4.90 earned run average. But since then, 2.87, 3.70, 4.19 is last year at Cincy. But then the last two years, 3.08 and 2.79. So he's been very effective. And by the way, in terms of him being an innings eater in the last decade, and I think that's a reasonable sample size, 10 seasons, pretty mm-hmm. pretty reasonable sample, <laughs> sample size. Uh, <laughs> He's thrown more than 162 innings on two occasions. This past season, uh, free agent coming up year. That's a a year that many players pitch or play very well in. How does that happen? I don't know. It's intriguing. Uh, And then he did throw 175 for the Reds in 2019. So in the last decade, he's thrown uh, more than 162 innings twice. And and otherwise, you're looking at uh, in 2017 with the Yankees, with the A's, he threw... Uh, 90, uh, actually total, no, 162 that year uh, with, with those two teams. 130 with the Yankees, 175 with Cincy, 56 in the COVID year, 135, 119, and then last year, of course, 184. So he hasn't been uh, Cy Young in terms of giving you a lot of length in games. Does it make you feel a little bit better now, though, hearing about the Eric Kratz and his feelings on that? Or does it concern you? Because, of course, New York is a different kind mm-hmm. of pressure, right? Animal. That is a different animal. And people around the team, that is a very valid excuse. But people around the team say he just didn't handle it well. And yeah. a lot of guys don't. No. And maybe he hopefully learned something from mm-hmm. that. And that's what I at least took as maybe a good sign of that. It seems like if you're going to bring in veteran pitchers, you can't be changing a bunch of stuff with them. Of course, you try to help them, but you can't change a bunch of stuff with them. So is that maybe the Cardinals' thought process with these offseason moves is you get some guys with, obviously, a lot of experience because with age comes a lot of experience who are sure of themselves where you don't have to really worry about making them change anything. You don't have to have them change anything, but you do have to be able to help them correct Mm -hmm. things. Like you have to, as a coach, that is your job to make sure that your players, the guys that you're coaching, are prepared or or if things do go awry, you're able to assist and get them back on track. So uh, the fact that they're, they're, they're veteran pitchers and have had success in this league and have done it for a long time, that's wonderful. But you still have to be able to correct them and coach them up when things don't go the way they they need to be going. And how does he respond to that? Right. And we should note that while the Yankees couldn't unlock the Sonny Gray key, apparently, in that same year that he had the 4.90 earned run average, Luis Severino went 19-8 with a 3.39 in 32 starts. CC Sabathia uh, in 153 good. innings had a 3.65. Masahiro Tanaka made 27 starts, had uh, a 3.75. Gray had that 4.90. Uh, Jay Happ was with that team, had a 2.69. So they were able to figure out some pitchers. 
They were. That year. <laughs> and that is a very, very, very valid point. So maybe it's more of how will he respond this time if there is things that are pointed out by Dusty. Uh, Blake. Blake Dunlop. Blake. Dusty Blake. <laughs> Dusty Blake. Yes. I thought you were going to go with Springfield, Randy. Oh, no. That's, that's been no. overused. Oh, okay. Okay. We're, we're switching it up yeah. now. Blake Dunlop, former former Blue. <laughs> Uh, it is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Because Take It or Leave It is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Matthew Rocchio taking a much-deserved vacation for the rest of this week. Bradford Bruns is in for him. You can see Bradford's uh, lovely face if you just go to our YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel is available to you right now. Check us out on the Air Alliance Team Studio Cams at 101 ESPN STL. Bradford, I just have to say, you have such a stunning voice when you did the Yoho. I had to just <laughs> stop for a second. I thought an angel had entered the room. Wow. It an was beautiful. <laughs> Let's let, let everybody pay attention here. 314-399-9646. Yoho. But I'm late on the draw again. Oh. See, first day in a while. It's okay. You're I'll the Beyonce there. right now. Okay. Uh, okay, guys, time time for take it or leave it. We learned during the show yesterday that David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, had fired head coach Frank Reich. 11 games into his first season. Take it or leave it. If you feel the need to fire a coach 11 games into his first season, you did a terrible job hiring oh, the coach in the first it. place. Take it. <laughs> I'm going to take that. Take it. Yeah. I don't know. And listen, right, th- th- that was, we saw this, uh, the writing on the wall, what, about a month and a half ago mm-hmm. when, when Frank Reich was talking about, you know, these meetings aren't fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we got them every day, and it, it ain't fun. And the quarterback, and you saw the writing on the wall. You saw this about to take place, um, and they didn't make it to the end of the season. It was, uh, I'm sure Frank Reich is probably like, whew, I'm okay with it. Yeah, he seemed uh, like it. I'm okay with being out of here. It's not a problem. Uh, speaking of football, we, we saw the game last night, the um, – Wonderful Chicago Bears kicking four field goals and leading themselves to a victory against the hapless Minnesota Vikings, scoring only 10 points themselves. 559 yards of total offense between the two clubs. Normally, that's just one good offensive day for a really good football team, but between the two teams. Take it or leave it, the Vikings and the Bears tried to set football back 30 years last night. Yeah, I'll take it. I'm going to take it. That what? was painful. Now, at least the Vikings have an excuse. What's the excuse? Joshua <laughs> Dobbs Their quarterback was... is hurt. <laughs> Actually, their one and two quarterbacks are hurt. He was playing. He threw four picks. Now, a couple of them got tipped. Two words for you, buddy. Mason Rudolph. <laughs> no. I thought it was Saturday no. again, and we were watching the Big Ten, not involving yes. Illinois, mind you. Illinois it was and Iowa. Wisconsin oh, all Illinois over again. Iowa, yeah. It was 13 to 10. Yeah. That's, it was just... Put, wake me up when it's over. If, if, if Minnesota has Jefferson and Cousins, do they score a few more points? Yeah. Oh, no question. Okay. No question. But, yeah, the, Chicago, Chicago is just bad. I, Chicago I, is bad. There, there's another one, Eberflus. I, how how does he survive? I can't I imagine that no he would. I, Justin Fields fumbled twice, two terrible, terrible fumbles. Just, okay, here's my thing. Football. Question. Harbaugh takes over at Chicago, uh, takes over the Bears. Mm-hmm. Does he try to salvage Fields, or does he use the four, first or fourth pick on a quarterback? You know what? I think he would probably try to 
salvage what Fields had. I mean, playing the position as he has, he's coached a, a quarterback who is comparable in, mm-hmm. in Colin Kaepernick. You probably run some of those similar schemes that you, you had with Colin, and you build around <laughs> Justin Fields. He needs a lot of help. Yes. Now, Justin got to be better because it ain't yeah. good enough. But build around him. Get your defense together. Get some. Get some more. Get some, get some big guys. Yeah, get, get some, some big guys on both sides out, of the ball. Figure out how to protect this quarterback, but also figure out how to keep him from turning the ball over. Can I make one other quick point? Mm-hmm. Should anybody who trades Roquan Smith be really questioned heavily? You, you, you probably. I mean, yeah. you probably should have paid him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I think so. Probably should have just paid him. <laughs> uh, that game should have been illegal last night. It feels like the NFL is cursed yeah, this year. Poor Joe year. and Troy. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I feel so bad for Joe. Yeah. I hope uh, we have to check on him yeah, today. So take it or leave it, guys. I'm going to drop a little Sunny Gray fact for you. Ooh, Sunny. Ready? Are you, are you excited about this? Sunny Gray's nickname is Pickles. Mm. Take it or leave it. We need to change that. I'll take that, yeah. And here's the thing. So you might be wondering, so why is it Pickles, Brooke? It's because he likes pickles. Oh, that's good. So that's why he's called Pickles. Bad timing, because Wayno makes pickles. Ugh. Oh, I'm sure Wayno will send him some pickles. I hope he does. From I his don't, garden. I don't. I don't think. You know, Pickles, pickles a is nickname fine. is not it a name you're supposed scary. to like. Well, I have to be scary. I want it to be intimidating. Well, I told you my, my nickname when I got to college was Burger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said I was a burger away mm-hmm. from playing offensive line. You're not supposed to like your nickname, <laughs> no. people. No. It's kind of how it goes. I, told no. you, I think I told you guys about in high school. We had a high school football player. His nickname was Kankles. And I never knew his real name because everybody just called him Kankles. Oh, that's wonderful. And he that's had great. Kankles. Yeah, that's yeah. great. It was endearing. Yeah. <laughs> he was an old lineman. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I, my favorite all-time is VT's uh, minor league teammate, Coleslaw. <laughs> Why? Because nobody really likes coleslaw. I had a, I had a teammate we called Good Look. Because <laughs> our coach was like, Good Look, Good Look. And say his last name, Good Look, Good Look. <laughs> All right, uh, Bradford, what do we got on the old text line? The 314 is so optimistic this morning, guys. Take it or leave it. Only two Cardinals starting hurlers actually post winning records next season. Oh, I'm going to leave that. Leave Only that. two, two. Yeah. post winning records in 2024. Hmm. Winning records, not innings. Winning records. You think it's going to be more, Randy? Well, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to say that they do have three guys with winning records. Ooh. Not, you know, like we're talking eleven and nine, ten and eight kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm going to Sonny Gray. I could, I could see Sonny Gray going nine and eight. Hmm. I could, I could see Gibby going they eleven and have... nine again. I could see. Lance Lynn. How many? How many? How many games are we? Ten is the is the qualification, or, or is there a number? Ten, ten, ten games, games started. started. Yeah, that'll let's make that because the, they the didn't minimum. have because they had well, Dakota, or Dakota Hudson. Uh, uh, still looking, still yeah. looking, still looking. <laughs> Jack Flaherty. Yeah. We had two how, last how year. How many did Miles finish? <laughs> hold, with on, last hold, year? On, hold on, hold on, Miles games. He finished nine and thirteen. Mm-hmm. And 35 starts. Yeah, they'll, they'll have three. They had two guys yeah. last year. Oh, can I give you an extra, by the way? A mm-hmm. bonus? Uh, take it or leave it. They jerk around Zach Thompson again, and he starts the season in the bullpen. Oh, man. Oh, no. Please leave okay, that. You so, have to leave that. Okay. There's no way they're so, going to do that, so right? So, Brooke, you've got the $11 million mats. 
You've got Michaelis, who they're, Lynn. Who they are possibly shopping around. Yeah, but who's going to take him? <laughs> Somebody, maybe. I Cardinals don't know. would have to pay a salary, right? That's a that's a fair question, considering they also tried to shop around Dakota, Dakota Hudson, and that didn't work out. Right, exactly. So, presuming they don't trade Stephen Matz, Matz, Michaelis, Lynn, Gibson, Gray, I think all of those guys are starting. If I was Zach Thompson, I'd burn everything up. Yep, I think I would if, too. <laughs> if they did that to me again, yeah. because Mosaic even admitted they shouldn't have done that. That was one of the reasons that he said, oh, we don't really need to have three starters because Zach was so good down the stretch. They had six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they'll have more than that now. Let's swing it to the offense. Take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill will be on the opening day roster. And Randy, do you know when this text actually originated? Uh, when? Hmm. Well, you know. About a week back. About a week back. Okay. I'm going to uh, say, uh, I'm going to oh, leave it. Oh, oh, I see it. I like Bradford. it, Bradford. Go. I love Excuse it. Excuse me. Well played, sir. <laughs> yep. uh, I am going to leave that. I am going to say that somebody is going to take Tyler O'Neill off their hands. And I, okay, I, I want to give the Cardinals credit here, okay? Okay. You don't tender a contract to Tyler O'Neill unless you have somebody prepared to take him. Yes. A hundred percent. I was really surprised that he wasn't I on was that non <laughs> Because I don't think there's a lot of affinity between the two sides. No. You don't say. You don't say. Because <laughs> no. what did Ollie say towards the end of the season about weeding out? Yeah, the guys that are in it for themselves. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- this was a guy that didn't even show up at the ballpark for a huge part of the time he was hurt. Like, they, nobody knew where he was. It was unbelievable. It's hard to get in the car when your back is sore, Randy. Oh, yeah, but he didn't have it that long. You know, no, how long he had that? About a week back. Okay. No. <laughs> I'm proud. No. <laughs> Bradford, uh, you did this. Bradford, you <laughs> give us one more. Right in. Yes, we will go non-baseball with this one. Also from the 636. Take it or leave it, guys. One way or another, the next Blues captain to hoist the cup is already on this roster. Take it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's hard winning the Stanley Cup. Bobby, Tommy. Oh, it's going to be Bobby, Tommy. Yep. Uh, yep. See? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He's going to be their captain. Think he's going to be the next captain? Yeah. 100%. I agree with that, but it is really, really hard to win the uh, Stanley Cup. Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard. Kind it's, of. It's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah, but when you have Doug Armstrong as your president of baseball operations. If, if, take it or leave it. If Mo moves Matt's. He moves into Doug Armstrong territory. What? <laughs> <laughs> he moves into. Take, uh, so that would be impressive. And we love Stephen Metz. We love Stephen. He's a friend of the show. I'm trying yes. to find the next captain on this roster. It's, it's going to be Thomas, Bobby man. Tommy. It will be. I don't, I don't think so. He wears the A. Yeah. One I, of the guys that wears the, 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 the Pobo, when he signed him to the contract, said he's going to be the captain of the team. I mean, what more do you need? The, the people say Po-ho. a lot of things, Randy. People yeah. say a you lot know, of Doug things. Lie to us. No, I don't think he's lying. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, I don't think he lied when he said that that's his vision. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people don't, you know, that their trajectory doesn't go in that way. That could be. That so, could be. I don't know. It could happen. Uh, thank you, Bradford. And thank you very much for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up, do the Cardinals do need to do more? They told us they were going to do something, and they did it. But do they need to do more? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. This is the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Sumner One. 
A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Just flip to 8.04 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. And when the Cardinals traded Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty, among others, at the trade deadline, John Mosellock said, we need to get three starting pitchers. And from the time he said it, we doubted that here in the room. And we even kind of went back and said, okay, two and a half. Well, the Cardinals did have acquired three starting pitchers, three guys that last year were 180 inning guys that performed at a highly professional level. So the Cardinals didn't string us along. They didn't sell us a bill of goods. Congratulations to the Cardinals and to John Mosellock and Gersh and everybody who made these deals because nobody else to this point on November 28th has added three starting pitchers. So the Cardinals early on in the process have done what they told us they were going to do. So we need to give them credit for that. And I do. I I like innings, guys. I like the depth that they've added. I hope these guys are around in October. But I think one of the problems that we've run into in baseball and it's changed over the years is because teams take so many pitches we don't have enough pitches. It's not pitchers, it's pitches. So you you can have a guy, for, for example, you've got so many people, Jordan Montgomery is one, gives you five innings, throws 100 pitches, right? So you need more pitches out of your bullpen. There's no more efficiency because there's so much swing and miss. So I give the Cardinals credit for getting guys that have given innings in the past and hopefully philosophically they will let these guys go and give them, let Lynn... Gibson, Gray, give them more than five or five and a third or five and two thirds. Hey, let Lance, Lance Lynn can throw 130 pitches. Let him do it. Yeah. He's I, a hoss. I agree. And that's what you wanted, right? Is that you wanted innings eaters. But, and maybe this is just my own personal feelings about this, but I think in a vacuum, the Gray signing, it makes a lot of sense, right? We kind of felt like Sonny Gray would be a fit for the Cardinals. This makes sense. But I think it's just the other signings prior, which has really kind of made this feel like this isn't complete or not exactly the starting rotation that you were kind of hoping for for this offseason going to next season. And maybe they're not going to be completely done here because I think that personally, after a season like you just had, I was hoping for a response of maybe a little bit something different than their approach in offseasons past. Maybe be something that wasn't exactly the safe or the predictable moves for the Cardinals to make, but something that would be rejuvenating. And nothing against Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn, or Kyle Gibson, but these aren't the splashiest of signings, right? Out of all of the guys who are available out there. And the true number ones that are affordable for the Cardinals would be in the trade market. And John Mozeliak was asked yesterday if these three signings changed the Cardinals' approach as they head to Nicheville for baseball's winter meetings. Well, nothing's really changed in the sense that we, we certainly feel like we've accomplished something for our rotation. Now I think uh, we, we really need to sort of look at what trade options there might be out there and how we can maybe arbitrage that to improve the club. So, you know, like, like I said, today's a great day for us. We feel really good about what's happened over the last 10 days. Um, but we also know there's still two months left in the off season, and what we really want to do is just not close any doors, not um, recognize or, or acknowledge there could be other opportunities, and so that's really what we want to uh, approach the next um, two months as. So, you know, what might happen next week in, in winter meetings is still TBD, but you know, we certainly feel a lot better about our club today than we did uh, two months ago. 
And that's the thing is that hopefully when I was talking about this doesn't feel like the splashiest of moves when it comes to free mm-hmm. agent signings. It's not the most maybe rejuvenating where you're like, OK, 91 last season. What the, what's the response going to be? Oh, it kind of feels the same where you're more safety rather than splashy, which safety is very important. I get that, especially if you don't know if you're going to be able to outbid other teams who are trying to get those guys like Snell or Yamamoto, but they still have a chance now, and this is what I'm holding out hope for. They have a chance now to make that splashy move, to make that move that where you feel like, okay, now this is a starting rotation I feel really comfortable with going into next season via a trade. They could possibly do that. And I mentioned this earlier. There is some reports out there that they are trying to shop Steven Matz. But as you guys mentioned, who would want Steven Matz? I do think the Cardinals maybe saw some value in him coming out of the pen. There was some flashes of him doing well, but injuries have been a big issue with him. I think a dream trade in this scenario would be maybe figuring out something with Tyler Glass now. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Say if you were able to package Steven Matz with some other guys, because obviously just Steven Matz wouldn't be enough to really move the needle here. But the Rays aren't going to – they don't spend money. They're not going to pay Tyler Glass now the $25 million. Well, and that's the thing. If you're the Cardinals, you'd have to pay the $25 million, and then you'd probably have to pay a good portion of Matz's eleven as well. And he's got two years left. So $22 million over the next two years, I would guess the Cardinals would probably have to pay fourteen of that. Mm -hmm. So he would make $4 million a year in Tampa, something like that. So that would be – Unless Tampa says, oh, we can fix Steven Matz because they've known to, been known to do that. Uh, I, I wonder if that's something that they would be interested in. But obviously they were interested in youth as well. Yeah, I think I think the Cardinals have done a, a, a solid job. I don't know that we should have ever expected them to be in the market to pay or overpay, you know, for, for some of the pitchers that, have, that are out there still. Um, but they've done a solid job. And I think if you are able to – now complete a trade for one of those one eighth type of pitchers, mm-hmm. those names that we've been talking about all off season and, and and up until this point. Then I think you will say that the Cardinals did an outstanding job because what they needed to correct was the starting pitching, and and what they've done. People will say, well, they haven't addressed the bullpen. They have not. But if you have some of these guys that are are in a starting pitching role that have had success as starting pitchers. Those guys could be in the bullpen, and those guys can can eat up innings and have be your long relief guys, be guys that can take up you know some of the space that they have missed. I think Stephen Matz did an outstanding job when he was moved to the bullpen, and mm-hmm. that that's what got him back into the starting rotation. So it's not you know out of the the, the realm of thinking that some of these guys that they have. SP next to their name can soon be RP, relief pitchers, and, mm-hmm. and be in that bullpen and help bolster that group as well. So, you know, I think they've done a done a pretty good job so far. And if you're able to make make another trade or make a trade for a, a 1A, then you will say they've done an outstanding job this offseason. As an aside, I want to correct something that I said about Lance Lynn uh, because he actually has been very efficient and hasn't needed to give a ton of pitches. He went six innings or more 16 times this past season. In those games, six innings, 98 pitches, six and a third, 103, six and two-thirds, 103, seven innings, 97 pitches, six innings, 100, six innings, 104, seven innings, 114. That was his season high for pitches in a game. Uh, he also went six innings and threw 105. He went seven and threw 102. He went six and two-thirds, threw 100. Uh, seven innings, he went 93 pitches, six innings, 96 pitches. Uh, another seven-inning outing where he only threw 87. 
and then a 94-pitch six-inning outing, seven innings, and 111 pitches. That's uh, when he got to the Dodgers. And then he also had innings of six innings in his last two starts where he threw 99 and 85. So he's not a guy that has had to throw 120 pitches to get through six innings. So he's that, that's actually efficiency that fits he and the Cardinals very well. If if Ali is willing to let him go 100, which he is, uh, then he can give you six innings on a regular basis, which would be nice. Yeah, it just still feels, though, like they need a front of the rotation they arm. Do. They, they really do. And I think that that would make everybody feel a little bit more comfortable because I think the fear now is that the Cardinals will be done. I know that Mosellock mentioned the press conference yesterday. They are not done and that they, as you played that sound there, they're going to look at some trade possibilities. But I think the fear is that, okay, this will be it for the Cardinals and this will be the starting rotation that you'll be going into in the season. And yes, will it be enough? Is it better than last season's starting rotation going into the season? I think so. I think so but, too. Yeah. But will it be enough to be sustainable and possibly when you're looking at October and making a playoff run, is this the starting rotation you'd want to still have? No, no, okay. well, because of the front of the rotation guy. Exactly. And I, I just want to, because I'm just so enamored of this, I just want to take you through uh, the uh, May through the summer of Dylan Cease in 2022. Okay, these are his earned runs allowed, starting on May 29th through the summer. Zero, zero, zero. Zero, zero, one, 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 zero, 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 one, one. And then he allowed three runs on August 16th. From May 29th until the middle of August, he never allowed more than one run, earned run, in any of his starts. Not bad. That's what Dylan Cease is capable of. And that's what I'm talking about when I talk about a number one. Because whatever your offense is doing, when you're allowing zero, got a pretty good chance to win. Yeah. Not bad. So let's get that guy. And the White Sox <laughs> went through so much mm-hmm. with those players last year because we even talked about that with Lance Lynn. That was a very toxic situation yeah. for the players to be in. The Blues are in action tonight, and John Kelly is going to join us. The, they take on the Wild, who fired their coach yesterday. John Kelly, TV voice of the Blues, is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. With Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. The Blues in action tonight. They take on the Minnesota Wild in the Twin Cities. And yesterday, the Wild fired their head coach in the midst of a seven-game losing streak. Dean Evason is out. John Hines is in as the new head coach of the Minnesota Wild. Joining us now on the Celebrity Line is our friend, the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. How are you guys? Doing well. And, uh, John, you've seen it a million times with coaching changes that happen all the time during the season in the National Hockey League. And more times than not, it seems a team gets a little bit of a bump from uh, a coach firing, doesn't it? Yeah, no question. And, you know, right now, as you said, the the Wild are winless in seven games. You know, Randy, Everson was with the Wild for parts of five years, and his record was 147, 77, and 27. And he gets fired. (laughs) So it's a tough business. And that's just the way it is. Um, I think the biggest thing for the the Minnesota Wild is that their top players, including Kirill Kaprizov, 
have not played very well, and they have not gotten good goaltending. So when you have that combination of your, your best players not being your best players, then that's really tough. And obviously in hockey, as we know, if you have, if you have poor goaltending, you're going nowhere. So, you know, right now they're sitting 5-10-4. and four. Um, There's still a lot of hockey to go, so they feel, and uh, former Blues player Bill Guerin, who's now the general manager here, feels there's still time to salvage the season, and that's why they hired John Hines, who, of course, was fired this past summer by Nashville. Jake Neighbors moving up to the top line, and he really handled that really well. What did you think of Jake Neighbors in these past two games, really stepping up on that top line with Robert Thomas and Pavel Buchnevich? He just looks like he fit right in. Well, he does, Brooke. I just think in the last maybe two or three weeks, we've just seen Jake Neighbors take a step up in his uh, progression right before our eyes. And, you know, that's not to say that he isn't going to have struggles and he's still a young player in just his third year, um, but he's using his speed really well in driving the net. And if you do that, you're going to get chances. And if you have hands and skill like Neighbors does, you're going to get goals. And, oh, by the way, he's playing with two really good players in Robert Thomas and Pavel Buchnevich. I mean, that play by Buchnevich on his second goal the other day in Chicago when he picked the pocket of, of the rookie defenseman behind the net was a great play. And, you know, Jake was wide open, and all he had to do was finish. But I think the biggest things for Jake, as I said, is he's skating really well right now and going to the net. And if he does that and continues to do that, those two guys are going to find him in the pocket. J.K., the Blues got a good win on Sunday versus the Blackhawks, but Friday evening had a tough loss against Nashville. What, what do you make of the losses that they've had where they're giving up five-plus goals in those games? Yeah, it's it's been feast or famine for this team. Um, as you said, the Blues this year, they've played 20 games, and in a dozen of those games, um, the score has been decided by three goals or more. They've won five of those and lost seven. So, you know, I think I've said this before on the show is when the Blues don't have their A game, and, and, and that's going to happen, obviously, during the course of an 82-game season, they can't have a D game or an F game. They have to play, you know, more of a C or B-minus game and just find a way. And, you know, the game on Friday, though, quite honestly, the Blues had come back late from Arizona. They got in around 3 in the morning on uh, Thanksgiving morning and then had to play Friday afternoon against a team that was in St. Louis and ready to go. So it, it was a bit of an aberration. At the same time, Nashville's playing really well, and, and, and they're playing their best hockey of the season. So I think sometimes, and I know that fans might not want to hear this, but sometimes you just have to sort of throw the game away and say, it just wasn't our best effort uh, by a long shot, and we move on, and just delete it from, from your mind. And I think that's what the Blues did on Sunday in Chicago. They played a much better game and just forgot about that terrible effort, quite honestly, Friday against uh, the Preds. John Kelly with us on 101 ESPN. And J.K., Jordan Cairo is in an interesting situation. I I think Jordan Cairo is kind of that guy that is in a no-win. He's played better defensively. His offense is down. Uh, You've brought this up before, especially in the first seven, eight, nine games of the year. There were a couple of of, uh, breakaways that he missed, kind of snake bit. But Cairo, at the end of the day, he's only on pace for 16 goals. Is there any difference with Cairo's offense, aside from the fact that he just hasn't been able to get the biscuit in the basket on those great opportunities? Well, I think really right now it's a confidence thing, Randy. And, you know, I, I say that because I, I watch him play and he gets chances. And I think for the most part, he works hard every night. Uh, there are still some nights where his puck plays are just not clean enough and he's, he's careless with the puck. 
But you're going to get that with a young player, regardless if it's, you know, neighbors or Cairo or, or whomever. Um, but right now what I see is when he gets the puck in his scoring area, then he's making the extra play and at, at times making the wrong play. You know, he, he's shooting when he should be passing and, and, and passing when he should be shooting. So to me, he needs to break out with a big game, get two or three goals and get his confidence back because he, he's still getting really good chances. And now, you know, he's playing down the lineup a little bit with, with Kevin Hayes and Sod. So they used him with, with Hayes and, and of course, Robert Thomas and, and also Braden Shen. So he's, he's played on different lines. Uh, I really think that he needs a big game to, to get himself going. I just really think right now it's just a confidence thing with him. With Jacob Verana, I know that he was back-to-back healthy scratches um, this season at several points, and then he got back in the lineup Sunday against Chicago. What do you think about that whole situation with Verana? Well, Brooke, it's a case of, um, you know, when, when a player doesn't play well, the coach doesn't have a lot of options, right? You know, you, you can play him, you can cut his lifetime, you can you can sit him out and things like that. The bottom line to me, um, for a few games there, Verona just wasn't playing hard. And I, I can't really say it any better than that or any more clearly. If, if a player is not going to compete hard and do the things that the coach wants him to do, which is to skate hard and get to the net and, and be intense and win puck battles, then you got to sit him out. So um, I did talk to, to Coach Bruby yesterday after practice, and he thought that his intensity was up against Chicago, um, was skating well, and had some good chances. So, you know, that's all a coach can ask of a player is, is to work hard and, and, and play the way you're supposed to play. You know, fourth liners don't play the same as first liners, right? I mean, everyone has their role. And if Ron is not going to use his speed and, and obviously his great shot, but the biggest thing is his compete. If he doesn't compete, then he's going to have a hard time staying in the lineup. That's just the way I see it. Is that the the only recourse you can have is just not allowing a guy to play when they aren't? I mean, your job as a professional athlete is to play hard every single day. If you're not doing that, uh, you probably aren't going to have a job for much longer. Is, is that the case here, or are we just going to continue to, to work our way through it? Yeah, well, I mean, I try to be positive, Carrie. Uh, I mean, I hope the kid does well and, and performs really well, but you know, the only options are for a player, obviously, aside from sitting him out, is to trade him, and trades are almost impossible in today's NHL, um, or you can put him on waivers and send him down, and he might get claimed and you lose an asset for nothing. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's just the way it is. I mean, every coach has a couple of players that he has to push at times, and players are in and out of the lineup. That's the way it is in the NHL. And, and right now, you know, Verona played well for the Blues last year when he came over from Detroit. He had really good numbers in the last quarter of the season, but the challenge is to carry that over into this season when the games are meaningful. I mean, let's be honest. Last year, in the last six weeks of the season, the games were not meaningful, and there wasn't a lot of pressure on the Blues and their individual players, but now there is. And, you know, right now they're in a playoff spot, and they need to keep winning. So um, he just has to play hard and, and show intensity, and if he does that, he will score goals and good things will happen. Hopefully it does. Finally, John, the Blues are in the midst of 8 of 10 on the road, and I think it's 9 of uh, nine of 13 that, are, that they're going to play on the road. At some point, this is going to come back and benefit the Blues, who are a better team, by the way, at home than on the road. But 500 on the road is not bad. But ultimately, as this season unfolds, these early road stretches for the Blues are going to benefit them because they'll get a ton of home games. Well, exactly. And, you know, they've won three straight in the road, Randy, as you have said. Uh, they're trying to get to over four games over 500 
for the first time in two years tonight. They, they were never four games over 500 all of last year. So, the, you know, they, they sort of had, um, you know, obviously very inconsistent play last year, and this year they've been inconsistent. And, and now they won three straight on the road. So it's a point now where can you put together a really nice winning streak and, you know, get some separation from those other teams that are the chasing teams right now. I mean, Calgary won again last night, and, and they're coming on. Nashville's playing really well. So it would behoove the Blues to put together a streak of, you know, seven wins out of eight games, something like that, instead of winning two, losing one, you know, very inconsistent play. So hopefully they can be more consistent. Um, but it's going to be a challenge tonight because, as we said earlier, anytime a team fires a coach, they're going to get a initial burst, and I'm sure the Wild will be tough tonight here at home. John Kelly, it's always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. Enjoy the day, and we'll be tuned in tonight for the Blues in the Wild. All right, Chris. Guys, thank you very much. You Have bet. a great day. You too. That's John Kelly, TV voice of the Blues, and you can see he and Jamie Rivers tonight on Ballet Sports with the Blues and the Minnesota Wild. I like that we just will delete the Nashville loss. I like that. I'm going to I'm gonna use that approach. That I'm going to yeah. delete it. I got home at 3 uh, on Thanksgiving. Probably really full. <laughs> Really full. Yeah, they, they had Thanksgiving. You know, you get home at three. Do so they you, even get like a? You, do you think they even did much of a Thanksgiving? Uh, yeah, they had a team get together. Oh, okay. Yeah, I uh, I don't think you can do that. But okay. Well, you know, so you have a team get together because you got home at three. You have the team get together. You probably eat at six. You're probably getting home at eleven, and then you got a two o'clock game the next day. I totally get it. Um, we would have lost eight to three on Friday too. <laughs> did did Nashville did Nashville not partake in any? Oh. Uh, Thanksgiving? they were here. Uh-uh. So they didn't have anything. There, so there was no thanks, no food. They were eating salad. Ava- ah, okay. They were staying lean. And no food available for, no, for well, them. Not, not heavy food. They, okay. they weren't right. eating stuffing at 11 at night. Okay. I was just checking. I thought maybe that food wasn't available to them yeah. in the city of St. Louis. No, we don't for, feed visitors. They, gotcha. I, I, wonder, I wonder if Ryan O'Reilly kept his uh, house here, you think? Yeah, he and maybe may have they had went, some people over. Yeah, maybe <laughs> they went over and had yeah, a little yeah. uh, vegan uh, Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, he is vegan. Uh-huh. But he did say that he'll have a burger every once in a while. Yeah, right. But it's a, <laughs> what do they call them? Impossible burgers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> veggie burger. Okay. Uh, over under on your ability to be vegan will set the over under at thirty six hours. I'm under. I go, oh, I can go over. You I can actually go did over. it. Yeah. Vegan is actually easier than than vegetarian. Really? Yeah. Vegetarian, you can't have anything. No, vegan. vegan I'm sorry, vegan, vegetarian. You can't have oh, vegetarian. vegetarian I'm, I'm, I'm is actually vegan. easier than easier than vegan. Yeah, yeah, I probably am yeah. under. Yeah, you can't. Have, you hours. can't have a Hershey bar. Yeah, because it's milk. It's milk. Vegan, yeah, vegan is a vegan lot harder. Vegan is a lot harder. Vegetarian I, is easier. I went through a phase I where I was vegetarian. For like two days. Yeah, I, I went through a phase. I think we've all done that <laughs> once, like right? Three, where you're like, days. I'm going to be healthy. Yeah, I'm going to reset my body. I was vegetarian for a little bit. And then when I went to the doctor because I was having low energy, he was like, Yeah, you got to eat some meat. <laughs> you, gotta, you need iron in your body. You're going to depleting yourself. Right, Seaweed uh, wasn't enough. Bradford, so. 36 hours, over under. I'm vegan. Go over, but long term, forget about it. No, no. Yeah. A stretch, I, a phase. Vegan sure, is. Yeah, yeah. You, can't have, you can just drink water. Yeah, it's a vegan. I, there's no <laughs> chance of me, no chance no. that I could be a vegan. No. So, Brandy, but you I, wouldn't survive. I, I, I admire the people that are vegans, but thank <laughs> yeah. you for leaving the meat for me. <laughs> I could do, you would just wither away, I feel uh, like. No Reese's Pieces peanut butter cups. Oh, you can't no. do it. No, yeah. no, no milk chocolate. What do mm. they enjoy? Clearly good. nothing. <laughs> that's a very <laughs> green Wheatgrass? Yeah, that's probably Ooh, it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So 
No. For, no thank you. I, I'm that guy. I, I'm that guy <laughs> that believes that PETA stands for People Eating Tasty Animals. Oh, Randy. You... No, Randy, you can't say that. I, think... I literally saw PETA protesters the other day. They're in town. They're going to come here, oh, and they're going to oh, put they up signs. They dressed in their the lettuce dresses? No, they were dressed up as, like, cats. They were over by oh, the mall. Why nobody eats, this well, past weekend. Nobody here no, eats cats. Well, 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 no, but they are they were talking about fur, I guess. And so oh, there was okay. a bunch of them. So there's PETA protesters here. You better be careful <laughs> Because they'll be outside well, of our building they'll today. They'll hate me because I have my cat skin coat right here. <laughs> <laughs> my cat fur. Oh, oh my goodness. You just walk out in like a fur coat. <laughs> just and they'll throw paint on me. Oh. Uh, Peter, we, we love you. But uh, again, thank you very much for leaving us a stick. Oh, yes. uh, the fight is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Nick. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How you guys doing? Doing well. We we heard you're from Nashville, Tennessee, and you're listening every day. We appreciate it. Well, I'm from St. Louis, but moved to Nashville oh, you several live years in ago. Nashville. So, gotcha. yeah. So I live here now, but you know, still listen, to you guys, every uh, every every morning. So. Oh, we oh, definitely nice. appreciate it. And, Brookie appreciates it even more. Yes, I do. <laughs> I know. Our, our Titans, our, our Titans are struggling. But oh I my god! I went to the game on Sunday, though. I went to the game on Sunday. At least we uh, were able to get Marcus fired. But you know, it's all good. <laughs> that is so true. Hey, okay, real quick, how do you feel about Will Levis? Oh, I like him a lot. I mean, just watching. I, I mean, he he can throw the ball. That's for sure. So. Yes. We'll see. Just need somebody to protect them. That's all. Exactly. Maybe they can figure that out. All right, Nick. Here we go. In last night's defeat to the 76ers, Lakers superstar LeBron James became the NBA's all-time leader in minutes played. LeBron officially passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's total of 66,297 minutes. For how many different franchises did Kareem play during his 20-year career? Was it one, two, or four? I have no idea, so I'm going to go with two. In 2000, Marshall Fox's 26 touchdowns powered him to NFL MVP and Offensive Player of the Year honors. Name that season's Defensive Player of the Year. Was it Junior Seau, Warren Sapp, or Ray Lewis? 2000. Uh, Ray Lewis. Despite four major championships to his name, Rory McIlroy still seeks his first Masters title. Which of the other big three did Rory capture first in 2011? Is it the PGA Championship, the Open Championship, or the U.S. Open? Still PGA Championship. Newest Cardinal Sonny Gray has twice finished among the top three in American League Cy Young voting. Before last season's runner-up finish with the Twins, he placed third as the ace of the 2015 A's. Name the pitcher who snagged that season's AL Cy Young by winning 20 games. Was it Dallas Keuchel, David Price, or Chris Sale? 
go to uh, Vandy Boyd, David Price. All right, we're going to figure out and see, make sure we double check, make sure we got the number correct. How are you feeling, Nick? I don't think I'll be back tomorrow, but, you know, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) We like your enthusiasm. You know what? If you aren't, we do appreciate you being here. We'll see, though. Randy is uh, ready. He's put on his headphones, and he's sitting down in his chair. Randy, say hello to Nick. Nick, good morning. How you doing? I am fantastic, Randy. Thank you. Good. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. All right, Randy, are you... uh, Ready to roll? I'm ready, yeah. All right, here we go. In last night's defeat of the 70... I'm sorry. In last night's defeat to the 76ers, the Lakers superstar LeBron James became the NBA's all-time leader in minutes played. LeBron officially passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's total of 66,297 minutes for how many franchises did Kareem play during his 20-year career? I believe he only played for the Milwaukee Bucks and the Los Angeles Lakers and retired as a member of the Lakers. So I'm going to say two, Kerry. Right. I'm going to go with two. Let's make sure my math was correct there. <clears throat> One, two. Do some quick math here. Math. <laughs> we do that here. In 2000, Marshall Falk's 26 touchdowns powered him to NFL MVP and Offensive Player of the Year honors. Name that season's Defensive Player of the Year. 2000 Defensive Player of the Year. Um, well, the Rams allowed 471 points, so it wasn't a Ram. <laughs> so let's, let's start there. Uh, actually, you know who was good that year? I think that was that record-breaking Baltimore defense that only allowed 165 points. Uh, and it would have been really, uh, I'm going to go with Ray Lewis, but I'll tell you that Mike Martz always said that if the Rams, Azakim dropped a punt and the Rams would have beat the Saints in a wild-card playoff mm-hmm. game. Uh, if Oz catches that punt, even fair catches it, there's no doubt that the Rams go down and score. They'd yeah. scored 28 points in the fourth quarter. They were going to go down and score. And then they would have beaten the Giants, and they would have wound up going to the Super Bowl. And Mart said what he was going to do with Siragusa and Sam Adams was going to go no huddle, and he was going to just wear those big hog mollies out. Been fun. It would have been really interesting. Can't get him off the field. No. Then what do you do? Then what happens? You got Marshall going crazy on, yeah. Yeah. Although the the Ray Lewis-Marshall-Falk matchup that particular year with Lewis trying to cover Marshall out of the backfield. Would have been bad for Ray. (laughs) It would have been bad. It would have been bad for Ray. So yeah. would have been really interesting. Would have been an interesting game, and I I have no doubt that Mike would have uh, probably succeeded with that thought process yeah. too. Man, that would have been a. I remember that that muffed punt. That was a uh, not great. It was devastating. Very frustrating. Yeah, boy, what what a game Isaac Bruce had, and what a game Kurt Warner had. Yeah. It was great. That's when they put Marshall on kickoff return yeah. for the last kickoff. That trying was in, to, in the Super Bowl. Was that the? Yeah, it was in the Super Bowl. Was against that the Super New Bowl? England? Yeah. I thought that was in that game as well. I thought they put him in they, they kickoff returner. Uh, yeah, trying to get him, yeah, trying to get something. Yeah, yeah, it's just not great. Anyway, Ray Lewis. All right, Ray Lewis, that's your final answer. Mm-hmm. All right. Despite four major championships to his name, Rory McIlroy still seeks his first Masters title. Which of the other big three did Rory capture first in 2011? 2011. It seems like it was a U.S. Open. I, I'm going to, uh, that's, that's what I'm going to go with. I mean, I'm. It, it definitely wasn't the British, so it's got to be a U.S. Open or PGA. I'm going to go with uh, uh, the U.S. Open. Seems like somewhere in the Northeast or something like that. I'll, 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 just seems like it. I'm I'm going to go with the, the U.S. Open. 
Newest Cardinal Sonny Gray, a.k.a. Pickles, mm-hmm. has twice mm-hmm. finished among the top three in American League Cy Young voting. Before last season's runner-up finish with the Twins, he placed third as the ace of the 2015 A's. Name the pitcher who snagged that season's AL Cy Young by winning 20 games. This is the 2015 American League Cy Young Award winner. Uh, let's see here. Hmm. 2015. Uh, Brooke, I think in the interest of time here, we will uh, we'll do the lifeline. <laughs> okay. David Price, Chris Sale, or Dallas Keigel? Uh, that would have been Price with the Tigers because he got there in 2014, and I don't think he won one with the Tigers. Um, the second one was after Price and before Ty- Keichel was... Chris Sale. Yeah, that would have been with the White Sox. I'm going to I'm gonna go Keichel here. I'm going to go Dallas Keichel. Really nice battle that we had on a Tuesday. Nick from Nashville, a very valiant effort. I loved being able to go back down memory lane regarding the 2000 and Rams. But at the end of the day, at the end of the morning, there can be only one winner. The verdict, to whom does it go? The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! Stepped over there, over you there, Randy. So, Randy, you do. That's right. (laughs) Complete the sweep in a sense yet again. Nick knocked down two of four this morning. Very good representative effort. Let's run through the results, though. Question number one last night with LeBron James. And to clarify on this one, passing Kareem as the all-time leader in minutes played, that is regular season and postseason combined. At any rate, for how many different teams did Kareem play 20 seasons overall in the NBA, six with Milwaukee? Milwaukee, and then 14 with the Lakers. Changed his name a couple of years in for the record. Number two, in 2000, Marshall Falk in his 26 TDs. He won both NFL MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. That season's Defensive Player of the Year, the Ravens were absolutely stellar. Ray Lewis was the leader on that defense. He's the correct answer there. Two more. Let's go to the links. The four major championships. Rory McIlroy has them. However, he hasn't come through at Augusta yet in 2011. Randy it was at Congressional in Bethesda, Maryland, where oh, he captured uh-huh. East <laughs> the U.S. <laughs> Open. That's right. And last but not least, Sonny Gray last season finished as the runner-up in the American League Cy Young voting. In 2015, he was number two. That year, Dallas Keuchel was exemplary. Not only did he have the 20 victories, his whip was at 1.01, and he punched out 216 for the Stroves. Great fight on a Tuesday. Nick, we greatly appreciate your listening from afar. Yeah, thanks, guys, and uh, tighten up. Good job. Thank you, you, Nick. Great to have you with us here on 101 ESPN. Next up, a lot going on in the National Football League. NFL news and notes coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, a lot going on in the National Football League, including the Panthers firing Coach Frank Reich yesterday after a 1-11 start. They also got rid of Deuce Staley, who was their assistant uh, head coach and running backs coach, and just kind of took apart the entire staff in the middle of the season. Josh McCown, their quarterback's coach, yeah. Yeah, they got rid of everybody that had anything to do with that position. On the offensive side, the same skill position-wise. It's unfortunate. 
like I said, we talked about it a while back. I want to say about a month ago, where we were discussing Frank Reich and his comments about just dealing with the ownership group and dealing with Tepper and how those conversations were. And he said it. It's not. We don't. It's not a fun conversation. It's not something that I look forward to. I'm paraphrasing, but just not something that he he was interested in doing over and over and over again. It seemed like, and so. Now he's not going to have to do it. And he gets $25 million to go away. And and that's part of the allure of coaching, a head coach in, in college or, or in the NFL, is you're going to get paid. You're probably going to get fired, but you will be paid handsomely to walk away. And so, you know, he he has no complaints there. But I think that this organization, the, the Carolina Panthers, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I mean, last <laughs> year watching this team, the team was really close to winning that division. They ran the ball extremely well. You know, they, they they move up, and so you lose DJ Moore. You move up to get the number one overall pick in Bryce Young. And, yeah, that changes your your, your team a little bit, but the, the thing that they did best last year was run the football, and they haven't made a decision to do that effectively. So they probably deserve to be where they are right now, searching for a head coach, and whoever they hire is going to have to deal with some of the same situations that Frank Reich had to deal with. What about the reports about Greg Olson, possibly? Nah, he wants the job. That ain't going to happen, though. I don't is think Is this kind of matters. like RG3 making campaigns to possibly be quarterback for the team? Is that what this is? Or do you yeah, think there nah. is any possibility? I, I think he just spoke his mind. He would love an opportunity to be the head coach. But, you know, if you're the Carolina Panthers, you are got you got to figure something out. They fired mm-hmm. a few coaches mm-hmm. here in the last few, few years uh, just walking away from guys and saying, all right, enough is enough. you got to give someone time to figure some things out. And so you got your quarterback in place. He's there for at least the next three mm-hmm. to four years. you got to figure out what you're going to do at head coach and offensive coordinator and all those things. Their owner on the football side might be the next Dan Snyder. <laughs> not not from the the front office side, the, the toxic environment side. Yes. I don't know. But just from a football perspective – there were a lot of coaches early on that Dan Snyder went through before he finally landed on Jim Zorn, I think, that he kept around Jim for a long time. Jim Zorn. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Uh, Torrey Holt, a semifinalist for the Hall of Fame. However, man, there's a lot of wide receivers, and Torrey hopefully will make it at some point. But this year, among the 25 players that are semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you've got Anquan Bolden, you've got uh, Andre Johnson, You've got Steve Smith, you've got Heinz Ward, you've got Reggie Wayne, and so you've got five guys, five receivers among the 25 that are there. And I would think that they'll pick each other off. Uh, Anquan Bolden had a great career. I, I, I think that, well, I actually think that all of these guys have legitimate Hall of Fame claims. Another semifinalist this year is London Fletcher. He deserves in. I'm looking at the list right now. I think Antonio Gates is a no-brainer. Uh, right. I, I think he's one of the ones where you look and say, okay, he's going in. Um, I'm trying to see. It, those receivers, Julius Peppers is a no-brainer, I believe. I think he's going to, you know, be a, yeah. be a guy that goes in. Um, Hines Ward and then, you, you know, Hines Ward, Reggie, and Torrey, those three are all going to get in at some point. It just is a matter of when. And, and – I don't know when that's going to be. That's that's a, a, a difficult group to kind of sort out, but it'll all work itself out. I don't know if Dwight Freeney is a first ballot, but he is a he was a hell of a football player. You got a lot of you got a lot of guys, but I think when you're looking at Antonio Gates and 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 who was the other person that I said? 
Um, peppers. Peppers. I think those guys are, are locks. To one, me. Of the, one of the problems Tory has is that one of the voters, Rick Gosselin, an influential, an influential Hall of Fame voter, says that there are, are already enough hall, uh, hall of Famers from the greatest show on turf. So That's rather ridiculous. than looking at individual statistics and accomplishments of a player, he's looking at how many players from a particular team are in the Hall of Fame and thinks that that should play a role in whether or not a player is in the Hall of Fame, which I, I don't understand the logic there at all. That's ridiculous. I think that's nonsense. But, yeah. you know, some people... I, I think when you... The Hall of Fame voters for every sport, I feel like you should have some people that played the game in there, Some maybe some Hall of Famers, give some guys an opportunity to vote and, and have those conversations. Mm-hmm. I think you should leave it solely to on the field. You know, if you were... Oh, yeah. it, it, T.O., the fact that he wasn't a first hall, first ballot Hall of Famer still bothers me to this day because his career, he deserved it. You may not like him as a person, but what didn't you like? Because he did, he lifted weights in his front yard when he was away <laughs> from the Eagles because he said, I love my quarterback because he went to the star and raised his hands up to, 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 the, to the, the open sky and, and to God. I, you may not have liked him and his antics, but you couldn't deny what he did on the field. And you have people that deny a person something that they rightfully have earned because of there are enough people mm-hmm. on that team. How the hell do you decide that? That's crazy. crazy. It shouldn't. It's kind of like baseball voting, right? Like, I feel like there should be more player perspective mm-hmm. added into that rather than just somebody, some writer and their feeling of how that relationship was or wasn't mm-hmm. during their time. Now, another thing, Broncos. I know that you went to the game. Mm-hmm. I just want to get in the Broncos real quick. Don't look now, Carrie. Hey, Broncos I- saying, let's ride after winning five straight. They are in the playoff hunt at a minimum. Which is hey, absolutely amazing to me, seeing as how poorly they played to start the season off and how where they are right now. You got to tip your cap to them because they've done a really good job of just clawing, fighting, clawing their way back in. Um, some of these teams have, have allowed the door to open. It just Denver has done a really good job, though, of winning the games. That win against Kansas City a few weeks ago was a, a huge win, an unex, unexpected win. Um, they've beaten the Buffalo Bills at Buffalo, which I don't know how the hell that happened. And then you beat up on the Vikings, who are on their third-string quarterback, and the Browns, who went to their third-string quarterback, second-string, third-string, whatever he is, mm-hmm. um, because DTR went down. So they they have played extremely well. Uh, Sean Payton has figured out, you know, how to best use Russell Wilson and, and what he does best. And so they got receivers making plays. They got guys making plays. And they are, they're defensively, what they did last year, they're, they're starting to repeat some of that this year. Maybe it just took a little bit of time, patience, if you will. Because I think that the concern was, okay, is Sean Payton actually the quarterback whisperer here? But, I mean, Russell Wilson is looking like he's playing to his strength strengths just like during his time with the Seahawks like he looks really good and confident right now yeah he's playing better they're playing better uh taking care of the football and and you know it it has helped I said the last couple of weeks three weeks you you play a Buffalo Bills team who is they're trying to sort out their entire season uh the Vikings and the Browns those are are good teams to kind of keep that winning streak going so they got the Texans this coming up week we'll see if they're able to go to Houston and actually uh, take on C.J. Stroud and, and that, that Texans team. Those are your NFL news and notes on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got our Rush Hour Reset on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We'll be having the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a Rush Hour Reset.
It's 9.04 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Gary Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Blues in action tonight. We have the pregame at 6, the action at 7 from the Twin Cities as the Blues take on the Minnesota Wild. Wild fired their coach, Dean Evason, and they're in the midst of a seven-game losing streak. You would anticipate that they, under new coach John Hines, will show a little bit of jump, will the Wild, tonight. They'll, they'll be wild. They'll be ready to go. I mean, <laughs> you, you you fire people in teams, usually get the memo like, oh, it's real. Mm-hmm. Like, if we don't perform well, I could be the next person on the chopping block. So you could expect um, the the Wild to come out and, and have maybe their hair on fire a little bit. I got a question, though. Now, yes. I was looking at these the stats for the St. Louis Blues, and there are nine losses, eight regular uh, in regulation, one in overtime. Mm-hmm. They're giving up 4.77 goals in those losses. Is that a bit of a concern for anyone? Yeah, it is. No, and, it is. And the goalers played really bad on the West Coast. I think. Well, I think the whole team. Yeah. At, at, to a to a degree, just not. I remember I texted you. I said you might want to let them know they're they're on the West Coast. This road trip started. <laughs> and they got down five to one, five to. It was like, whoa, what's going on here? It's it. That's a bit of a concern for me, and it just kind of brings me back to the article that we talked about earlier in the season from The Athletic, that this team was going to be <laughs> win two, mm-hmm. lose two, maybe you win three at the most, but then lose. It, it's kind of, that's that feels like where this team is. You, we had J.K. on earlier talking about Verona not giving great effort. You got Jordan Cairo being moved down to the third line. There are a lot of, in my opinion, concerns about just effort every single night. Yep. And that should never... Man, you are a professional athlete. It is your job. I, I, I say this all the time. People would say, oh, you, you got to go to practice in the morning. No, I got to go to work. This mm-hmm. is my job. This is what I do for a living. It's not just practicing for eight hours. We we watch film. We study. We learn. And as a pro, your job is to be prepared every single day. No one should have to light a fire under you. You don't have the the big pregame speeches from win one for the game. No, hell no. We Go do your damn job, man. You, you getting paid to do this. Do it to the best of your ability. If you couldn't do it, you wouldn't be here. And so you are here. There are thousands of people that would love to be in your position. No one should have to light a fire under you for you to work hard. Thing is, it used to be the NHL, a league where you could win with less talent and work hard. Now, for whatever reason, you just don't have as many consistently hard-working teams as you had. And you look at the teams that are leading the way, they're uber-talented. And you don't have any infiltrators in there that, okay, they're, they're winning because of a great goalie. You have the Rangers, the Bruins, the Knights, the Avalanche. The Kings have a lot more talent now. You have really talented teams that are the best teams in the league. And where the Blues are right now, because effort level is so inconsistent throughout the league, if you don't have as much talent, and the Blues, I think we can all agree, don't, you're going to have games like they've had. It just doesn't make any sense from this hot and cold that we've seen from the Blues where they have a fantastic game. It feels like all or nothing with the Blues so far this season, right? Like you'll have a game of a lot of effort and they're showing a lot of effort and then they just fall flat in the next one. And it just doesn't make any sense. And I don't know what exactly that could be for the Blues. You know what? Just no Thanksgiving dinners before a game. Listen here. Ma'am. I I mean, turkey makes you more tired, CD. No. Trip to fan. Yep. Yeah. No. And it was all heavy stuff. Uh, a lot of gravy. Stuffing. 
So they, they, they had pre-Thanksgiving meal when they went to the West Coast. Is that what they did? Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> Well, they got, you have to like try out part. some recipes yeah, and true. things in their, in their, hotel, room. In their yeah. hotel room uh, on their on their foreman grill, right? Yeah. Uh, blues. <laughs> I love a foreman grill. Yeah. I haven't used one so long. Blues and wild tonight. You can hear it here on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals introduced their newest pitcher, Sonny Gray, yesterday at the ballpark. Sonny, Sonny coming, Sonny. Home. Do a song that you've added. There we go. Yes, he is going to be a member of the Cardinals. How did free agency play out for the right-hander? There's a couple of places that I wanted to be, and St. Louis was at the forefront of that. But then there is still a balance, right? You still have to um, go through the process and see kind of what presents itself. And St. Louis wasn't the first team to to reach out and 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 contact us and do this thing. We were moving along with other teams, you know, and thinking – and then you start seeing yourselves in different situations. Um, you're like, okay, yeah, that would be, you know, that's. And then you do finally get a call, and you get intrigued. You move down the road, and and then once it becomes clear, it's it's a place. You do. I, I did tell Bo that this is that that this is the place. Um, let's let's make it work. And they did. And so Sonny Gray uh, will be a member of the Cardinals for the next three years. There you go. Vandy boy coming here to Mm -hmm. St. Louis. Um, I think that I really liked his press conference yesterday. I don't know if you guys listened to the full thing, but he also kind of poked fun where he said, you know, I'm much of a, I'm kind of a rambler a little bit. So when we were talking about nicknames earlier, his nickname is Pickles. What about the Tennessee Rambler? And I mean that in a positive way. (laughs) It's not making fun because he even said it himself. I'm a rambler. Tennessee Rambler. What about Tennessee Rambler? I I could see that. The Tennessee Rambler. You see, that sounds more. Doesn't that sound scarier than pickles? <laughs> like if you. <laughs> <laughs> he saying pickles. Yeah. Pickles does sound like a, a, a dog name, like a small yeah. dog. Come here, pickles. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, oh, yeah. Tennessee okay, Rambler. Here comes to the mound, the pickles. Ten- or here comes to the mound from Smyrna, Tennessee, the Tennessee Rambler. I can see that. You see? I like it. Yep. There you go. Okay. I'm okay with that. I like that. Tennessee Rambler it is. Mm-hmm. We, we just we, we come up with nicknames here. That's that's exactly why I was working so hard on that. Yeah. Because that we are a nickname factory over here. A couple of other notes for you this morning. The Red Wings are going to sign Patrick Kane. So he moves from Chicago to the Rangers at the end of last year, uh, was dealing with an injury, and now is ready to come back, and he's going to join David Perron as a member of the Detroit Red Wings. Who would have ever thought that those two would wind up on the same team together with as much as the Blues and Blackhawks hated each other and they go to a place where both fan bases hate the Red Wings and they're going to land there. So that'll be an interesting combo there. (laughs) That will be. And last night you had a Monday night football and the Bears. You? Well, kind of. You had Monday night. I don't know if you yeah. put football on it. Okay. <laughs> it, we, we did have Monday night. But after the game, after the, the Vikings lost 12-10, to 10, Kevin O'Connell, the head coach of the Vikings, would not commit to Joshua Dobbs being the Vikings quarterback it, it, going forward. So it might be that uh, Jaron Hall, the rookie, gets an opportunity after coming back from a concussion. They also have Nick Mullins on their roster. That strikes fear in every opponent. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. I, I thought I think Joshua Dobbs has played well. Yesterday was last night was a a not a great performance. Again, a couple of those passes were tipped. Should have been caught by his receivers. But you know, 
you he did lead the team down to score the 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 go ahead touchdown. That last drive that they had that he he was able to uh, catch Hawkinson for the for the touchdown. That was a good drive for them. And you know then their defense just couldn't stop uh, the Bears from from going down and getting in field goal range. They didn't. It wasn't a great game on either side though. No, like, it was just. There were two teams playing football, but they weren't playing at an elite level. And so, you know, the 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 Bears kicked four field goals and they won the game, twelve to ten. It, it is what and it they is. They missed another one. Yeah, they, it was. It that was, game should have been shut down. Man, listen. Was not- I, I, when, when Justin Fields fumbled for the second time, all right, guys, we, we you know what? We, we, it doesn't matter who wins at this point. Let, let's just end the game. We yeah. don't need to continue mercy, to watch. Mercy Please. rule for all the fans. <laughs> For everyone in attendance. And yeah. full refund. We apologize. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you have to do at that point, right? Yeah. It was just so bad. I, I'm curious with TV ratings, too. Do you think that they were bad, or are people turning in just to see that disaster? Because it can go was, either way. Gamblers. Was the Manning cast on yesterday? I don't believe so. Was See, it? that's when you have to have the Manning cast. When yeah. you when you have a terrible game, then you flip over to the Manning cast and you watch them because they are watch interesting in and intriguing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they even took the night off. There you go. So <laughs> yeah. that, that'll let they you know. Knew. They, they like, knew what was Justin coming. Fields and Joshua Dobson. Eh, no thanks. I don't, I don't need to. I don't want to partake in that. <laughs> so oh, man. there's your Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up. Jordan Cairo is now playing on the third line. Should we be concerned about the way that he's being utilized and he's being utilized because of the way he's playing? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Wild tonight, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. Jordan Cairo started the season on the top line with Robert Thomas and Pavel Buchnevich. And now Cairo has been moved around and he's actually on the third line. And things have not gone well at right wing for the Blues this season. And Cairo certainly has been a guy that has frustrated a lot of people, including, obviously, Craig Berube. And we asked John Kelly, the TV voice of the Blues, about Cairo earlier on in the show. For the most part, he works hard every night. Uh, there are still some nights where his puck plays are just not clean enough, and he's he's careless with the puck. But you're going to get that with a young player, regardless if it's you know neighbors or Cairo or or whomever. Um, but right now, what I see is when he gets the puck in a scoring area, then he's making the extra play and at, at times making the wrong play. You know, he he's shooting when he should be passing and 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 passing when he should be shooting. So to me. He needs to break out with a big game, get two or three goals, and get his confidence back because he, he's still getting really good chances. And now, you know, he's playing down the lineup a little bit with, with Kevin Hayes and Sod. So they used him with, with Hayes and, and, of course, Robert Thomas and, and also Braden Shen. So he's, he's played on different lines. Uh, I really think that he needs a big game to, to get himself going. I just really think right now it's just a confidence thing. And I do think he needs to be dragged into the fight. I think Kairou is just one of those players that will benefit from playing with a Hayes or a Shen, maybe more than Bobby Tommy, who's a, a skilled player, but isn't a guy who necessarily, uh, as Hitch used to say, drags people into the fight. Yeah, but he did sign that big contract. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's what is maybe the more frustrating part. Now, when it comes to he's stepping up his defensive responsibilities this season, he has worked on that, but I don't like that it has come at a cost 
with his offensive stuff that we're used to seeing. I mean, he scored 37 goals last season. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier he's on pace for what? 16. 16 goals right now. And now he, I know. He, I think he's been stopped on five different breakaways this year. It feels like you keep seeing it happen yeah. over and over again. And you also have this relationship that he obviously has with Craig Berube where maybe they don't see eye to eye or maybe Berube is moving him around to elicit more of a response from Jordan Cairo. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see the guy that you're paying, what was it, Eight years, sixty-five million. Yep, yep. Okay, eight years, sixty-five million on the third line. Now, do I think that he will stay there forever? No, but Robert Thomas hasn't been moved down, and he's also getting that big contract. Mm-hmm. I think that's just my concern and frustrating part is this is the year of the big contract really kicking in money-wise, and so I was expecting maybe a little bit more, at least for him to get back to what we've seen, if not top that. One thing that I've learned over watching a lot of sports is that money never makes players better. Well, it it really (laughs) reveals who you are or who you Mm -hmm. were. I mean, it's not going to get the money. You'll see, like we talked about it earlier, when you're in your free agent contract, when you're about to become a free agent, you see the best version of players. But if they haven't had that level of performance or that level of success, you can probably soon assume Mm -hmm. they're going to go back to who they were. With Cairo, he he's getting paid. When you're one of the top paid players on a team, you have to perform in that manner. And whatever your role is, if it's to be the Draymond Green and choke people out, then you get paid mm-hmm. to do that. That's your job. Nobody complains. But if it's to score goals and to be impactful in that in that part of the game, then you have to do that. And if he's not doing that, you're really you're you're really hampering your team because you're getting paid a lot of money and that money is not allocated anywhere else. It's allocated to you to be this type of player. Now you have to go out there and be that type of player. Here's the thing with Kairou, because he's got such extraordinary skill. Would it surprise anybody in, in here if he would finish with thirty seven goals this year? No. No, because I can see him last season he also got off to a slow start. Now we're getting a little bit further along here. Way in. Yes, we're getting a little bit further along, so that is a little bit concerning. But I feel like we have seen with Jordan Cairo once he breaks through, kind of like what JK was saying, then it feels like it all really starts for him. We're just still waiting for that moment. And that's why I understand why Craig Bruby has kind of moved him around to maybe get more of that fiery response to him. Carrie, you're talking about you shouldn't have to, you know, light a fire under players, but maybe Jordan Cairo could be one of those players where you kind of have to push him and prod him a little bit to get more of that fiery response the problem with that is you've had the pilot go out on your on your uh, on, on, on <laughs> yeah. your water heater or something yeah you, how many times you got to go down there and start that damn thing at some point you got to get a new water heater right? Yeah, right you gotta you gotta say all right this, this thing is not gonna i'm not gonna keep going down here and lighten this damn thing every mm-hmm. single day you have to be a self-starter. You have to be a guy that does not have to have someone light your pilot every single day mm-hmm. or every fifth day. If someone has to do that, you are going to have a hard time sustaining success in any sport at any level. You have to wake up every day with the mindset, I want to be this type of player, mm-hmm. this type of person. If someone has to drag you into the fight, you you probably aren't going to be fighting as hard as the people that brought you there. So hopefully something internally inside of him says, you know what, I I don't like being demoted. I don't Mm -hmm. like the feeling of Mm -hmm. people discussing me in this manner. I'm too damn good to actually be talked about like that. Who the hell are they? Okay, here we go. And this is a problem, I think, in all sports now because the money is so big for young players. You evaluate and pay them and give them the big money contract based upon their physical attributes, hoping that at the age of 23, they'll grow into what 
you think they're going to be emotionally and competitively. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. Now, to, to Jordan Kyrou's credit, he has played both ends of the ice. He's played a, a, a yes. better 200-foot game this year. And he is a couple of snake-bitten stops on uh, on breakaways from being on pace for, rather, 16, being on pace for, like, 24. So I, I think it's just hopefully a matter of uh, him starting to get the puck to go in the net. And sometimes luck does play a role in hockey and uh, a guy being able to score goals. Hopefully it catches fire here. Quick question for you guys. Do you think that we keep talking about Craig Berube-style players? Like, I think Jake Neighbors is a Craig Mm Berube-style player. I think that Oscar Sundquist is a Craig Berube-style player. Do you think Jordan Cairo is a Craig Berube-style player? No. I don't think Jakub Verana is either. And that's, and that's what I was also going to follow up with because you have all this situation going on. Whatever's going on behind the scenes where Ruby feels like he's not giving his full effort, it feels like you see two guys who are obviously very talented, talented goal scorers, but there's some disconnect there. The disconnect is, is, I think when you talk about Craig Berube-style player, for me, what I see from, from Chief is a guy that he wants guys that are naturally aggressive in terms yes. of willing to fight you don't and when i not say aggressive not yeah. yeah not 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 fighting someone or punching people in the face although that is okay mm-hmm. as well but but guys that are self starters guys that are going to you know keep fighting and keep pushing forward even when it gets hard just because something is hard doesn't mean you stop that means you just mm-hmm. got to keep pushing and keep going forward to get to where you need to get to and and i think that what you're seeing from those guys is what the comments are we're hearing yeah, they, they aren't working hard enough. That's mm-hmm. problematic for a professional athlete to be to have those words said about you. If you're not working hard enough, then what the hell are you doing? And why the hell are you here? And that becomes the next question. Well, we either got to find someone that is going to work harder. He needs to figure out how to work harder. We got to get the hell away from him. He has to get the hell away from us because it's not going to work out. Just go back to Kyler Murray and the clause in the contract. That, <laughs> the moment yes. you wrote that, typed yes. that up, and put that in on on paper and signed it, you you had a problem. Yep, it right. is a problem. Yep, not the, not the guy you should be sending uh, millions of dollars to. No, and the 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 guys in this generation now and women that are highly competitive and really commit themselves to their craft are more unique than ever. And if you do get the opportunity to have one, you have to take advantage of them. Exactly. They they know how to decipher the difference between critiques and criticisms mm-hmm. and how to really handle those because it's never fun hearing that, right? You never like hearing somebody saying that, but you also have to understand that they have good intent behind it and they are trying to help you grow. Didn't Jake Neighbors start on the fourth line this year? Mm-hmm. And here he is Worked now. his way up. Yep, working, working his way up. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, Carrie spent the weekend, well, Sunday, watching great sports. We're going to hear the uh, the story of Carrie's trip next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, one thing we do as sports people is take sports trips. Like every vacation has to include some sports, right? Whether it's 
going to games or playing golf or doing something involving sports. Well, CD had that over the course of uh, the Thanksgiving weekend. Congratulations, first of all. Oh, I'm, I'm being a right-thinking kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. I thought about <laughs> it. I, I knew that I had, you know, a few days off. I wasn't going to be here on Monday. And I was like, you know what? I just checked the schedule in Denver, see what was going on. I got a good friend, Mark Jackson, who is a vice president of ticket sales for the Broncos. So he, we were college teammates. So I reached out to Mark and said, hey, man, I, I think I'm going to want to come to the game on, on Sunday. He's like, oh, yeah, sure. And I just was, you know, scrolling the Internet, and I said, oh, what? what? Who are the Nuggets playing mm-hmm. on on Sunday? And lo and behold, they're playing uh, Victor Wimbenyama and wow. the San Antonio Spurs. And I said, "Well, you know, I can't miss that opportunity." So the the Broncos game started at two o'clock uh, Mountain Time. So we went to that game, and then the Nuggets game started at six o'clock Mountain Time, which gave me more than enough time <laughs> to watch the Broncos beat up on the the uh, the Browns, and then head over to watch the Nuggets. Really dismantled the uh, San Antonio Spurs. It was it was pretty bad. I left with about six minutes left in the fourth wow, quarter. That bad. Yeah, they were about twenty at one point. I'm like, yeah, Victor was sitting on the bench. You had a few fans upset because Pop didn't put Victor back in the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, we want to see what the hell we here for. Yeah. We came to see him. <laughs> Need to come to see <laughs> the see Nuggets. Jokic every dang on game. Yeah. We want to see the new guy. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was a it was a really good game on on both fronts for for the Denver the city of Denver and uh, they they got a couple of wins. All right, any moral dilemma at all in having to watch the Browns and Russell Wilson because you have a little bit of disdain <sighs> well, for both. Listen, I have more disdain <laughs> for the Browns. Okay. So watching the Broncos beat the Browns, anytime the Browns lose, you know there 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 is a the sun pops out in in Pittsburgh and we just have a glorious day. It's like. <laughs> It, the Browns losing is is it's just it, it's it, it's expected first of all mm-hmm. you know so it, it's part of our our tradition there and Browns taking a nail is always a good day and like I said watching seeing Victor Wimbanyama in in person and seeing really how large of a human being he is it it, it was it's yes absurd. you sent us that picture man that, wow I could it, not, it didn't even look real <laughs> no like literally I was like is this photoshopped no Wimby is just like. Unreal. He caught a he caught a lob and dunked it backwards, and the people were like, "Man, I don't even know if he came off the ground." Like he was (laughs) literally when he dunked it, he was right there at the rim. I'm like, "Oh my goodness!" Watching him, he's going to be a really good player. They are a really bad team right now. The San Antonio Spurs are, Um, but he's going to be a really good player for a long time in this league. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you had a lot of fun. Be honest now. How much coffee did you have? To get you through all that, Listen, I actually I had a couple of cups when I got that. So I, fifteen <laughs> minute power naps, I really strongly encourage <laughs> because they are a, a, a necessity. You only mm-hmm. need fifteen to twenty minutes. I got fifteen minutes. I popped up. I was ready to go uh, before the Broncos game. Came back, sat down, and, and relaxed for a few minutes. My friend stays downtown, so he's he's literally walking distance uh, to what is it, Ball Arena, where the where the Nuggets play. So yes. we uh. We, we, it was pretty cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm glad that you had a lot of fun like I, that. I had a good yeah. time, and I finished it at a wonderful establishment at night. So, I, you know, it was a really good night. What was the establishment? Uh, it was just a, a place where they <laughs> people frequent uh, from time to time. Yeah, Shotgun Willies. Okay. Yeah. Shotgun Willies. Should I Google I was going to ask you for that, like, <laughs> when, when, the, when the Clippers come to town, will a certain yeah, Clipper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James okay. Harden. He, yeah. probably, he won't get his jersey retired there, but he, he will probably uh, visit. You know, giving place. back to the local community—that's what you're doing. CD. Just said, you know, yeah. it, it's doing my part. I, I, I am, you know, I do enjoy 
giving to to those in need at times. Exactly. So, yeah, good time. uh, speaking of giving back to the community, today is Giving Tuesday. There you go. And our friends at Jack in the Box just brought by some delicious Jack in the Box food. And today you can go by Jack in the Box and pick up a Jack in the Box air freshener that benefits the Shriners Children's Hospital of St. Louis. 100% of the net proceeds from each sale of Jack in the Box today will be donated to the Shriners Children's St. Louis Hospital. Thanks for your support, and thanks to our friends at Jack in the Box. Head on by and stop by. I just had a bite of the burger, too. Mm-hmm. I haven't had, well, okay, just kidding. I was going to say I haven't had Jack in the Box in a while. <laughs> we had but then, yeah, then we week. had it a couple weeks ago. We had and, some red tacos. Oh, the tacos, mm-hmm. guys. Jack in the Box tacos are my absolute favorite. They're Growing good. up, my dad and I would always go to Jack in the Box. We would get the tacos, a burger, and a milkshake. Those are my favorite things from Jack in the Box. Good I used to get that uh, ultimate uh, cheeseburger. Mm. It was like two patties and four different kinds of cheese. That's a lot. Oh, that helped me go from 220 to 270. Because <laughs> I would do it. There, there was a Jack in the Box right outside of Rams Park. I don't know if it's oh. still there. You can text me if it's still there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, so that was like I, I would leave Rams Park um, after because they practiced in the morning. And I, I would leave at about 1 and head downtown, and I had to stop by Jack in the Box, and that was my lunch. Was the same thing. I had the shake, the fries, and the ultimate cheeseburger. I found out subsequently, but that, that wasn't very good for me. It's by the McDonald's, right? The gas station McDonald's yes. combo, and you have Jack in the yeah. Box. Yeah, well, was Jack there. in the Box is on the other side of the street. Yeah, it's yes. uh, across the Earth City Expressway. I, I didn't get much uh, Jack in the Box. At two, three in the morning was my, you know, those tacos that are just delightful. So, uh, one of the it, it, if you're a youngin or if you haven't been around town. Uh, one of the fun stories of St. Louis Rams history is when Jeff Fisher hired Rob Ryan, Rex's brother, as his defensive coordinator. And Rob was there for about a week and uh, saw what the situation was and walked into Fisher's office, literally dropped his keys on his desk and said, I'm out. And people that were upstairs at Rams Park see Rob Ryan walking across the street to McDonald's, coming back with a McDonald's <laughs> bag and coffee, hopping in his car and leaving, never oh, to be seen again. That's awesome. Oh, that never never coached a game. He was only there for a week or so. Got a, he, I had a teammate that we were going to practice, and he was walking to McDonald's. He's like, hey, man, where are you going? I'm going to McDonald's. And never saw him again either. Oh, that's the way that it was. sounds <laughs> ominous and scary. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, well, he he was he he said I'm not doing this. Did yeah. you have a McDonald's near the facility? I wonder if this is a yes. McDonald's thing near we NFL had, facilities. Uh, it was called the Illini Orange. So it was oh, a, Illinois. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we about, it was in the building where in, in what, any, any of your pro stop, stops have a fast food restaurant within walking distance? Uh, Pittsburgh, no, not nah, it was McDonald's. No, nah, no. Yeah. Atlanta was so far out from everything else in the world. <laughs> it was like its own place. Probably probably Indianapolis uh-huh. had and Tampa was right in the centrally located. Okay. So yeah. 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 So, but no. Pittsburgh I yeah, kinda of miss Tampa. I, I, Tampa I would be Tampa. a good place for Mizzou to play a bowl game. Ooh. They aren't going to, but no. Tampa's a great city, man. I'm it's trying great. To tell you. But you like Atlanta, too, don't you? I, Atlanta is a great city. And so, uh, yeah, when, when, when Mizzou plays in Atlanta, when Mizzou in plays in Atlanta ball, for their bowl I, game. You know what? Drink. Let me. God, let me. Let's, let's make something happen. I can come down there and watch a game. There we go. Uh, so that's Carrie's Denver Day. Coming up, we've got rock and roll, but rock isn't here, so it's going to be brook and roll? Oh. Coming up. The Grim Report. Oh, oh I like that a lot. Go. Yes. That's next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
Roller Rock! And roll. Let's rock, let's rock today. Alrighty, no rock. So we've got the Grim Rapport here on 101 ESPN. The Grim Report. I can't do it. CD, you do a better job of doing the deep, scary voice. The Grim Report. Yes, there it is. Perfect. There's the money intro <laughs> right there. So I came across an interesting story yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but Sports Illustrated yesterday said that it had to delete several articles from its website after a report found that the once celebrated legacy magazine i've always loved sports illustrated other than when they got rid of a lot of their journalists anyways had Mm. published pieces under fake author names and profile images generated by ai is this the future of where sports journalism is going to go where you're going to have ai create articles on sports stories and if you look at the photos too that they use if you just do a little quick google search um, it was very apparent to me, at least, that these were not real people. They just have that look. You, have you seen some of the AI-generated people that mm-hmm. have come out that they've created? It's just Jerry there's. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's... there is an AI Jerry Jones floating around out there. He really is. You can book him, and he'll come talk to you. I just find all of that really eerie. And one, it concerns me because I know that journalists aren't the favorite people in the world right now. A lot of people really do not like journalists. Some reasons are very valid, but I do think that there is an importance to journalism, and we've seen throughout history, sports history, and even in the political realm how important journalism can be. It concerns me to have AI taking over in this way. It's already happening for game stories. It is. I know. Yeah. You can tell when it when it's written yeah. by AI, too. So no quotes, no real insight it's just literally the game story no quotes i mean that's we've already seen that right fake quotes mm-hmm. make fake up quotes. No, that's oh true. no oh. not the I, fake reports I, I mean it happens right um i just wonder when all of this um distrust of the media took place it's kind of intriguing hmm. how this whole thing started i think it's happened <laughs> several times throughout history is there something in particular recently just, on your mind it's just weird how, <laughs> how <laughs> life happens how things go hand Look, in hand there's going to be bad eggs in every mm-hmm. profession right there's going to be a lot of people who really don't take advantage of or do the right thing and there's a lot of opportunists a lot of people and i hate this i hate journalists who are like this that care more mm-hmm. about being first to a story rather than being accurate and sadly yes. there's been a lot of people like that in the industry it's unfortunate I mean it, it it really does a disservice and and it's hard to trust things when you know things are not being done correctly or or accurately or truthfully and especially for something as iconic as Sports Illustrated right because we all grew yeah. up with Sports Illustrated That's being ridiculous. as great as it was writers best writers yes. the photos were unbelievable and now the photos apparently are AI generated from uh, of at least their people, not of of the games. But yeah, Sports Illustrated was a must get every week, and it was a big deal for your town to be on the Sports Illustrated cover. I still have two sport. Well, I have yes, multiple. I have mine. Yeah, yeah. I have the uh, the Kurt Warner, who is this guy? And then the, there was a great one in '85. The Heat is on with Ozzy on the cover, and uh, then there was another. Obviously, the the Super Bowl. Rams won, and then another great Brett Hall taking a shot. And so when when my city, when St. Louis 
was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I took an unbelievable amount of pride in that. And my favorite cover ever, and you can look it up on the interwebs, is when the USA beat the Soviet Union in the 1980 Olympic um, game at Lake Placid. And the celebration after that game was so incredible. But you can check it out. Just do a search for Sports Illustrated 1980 U.S. Olympic cover, and, and you'll see it. My favorite Sports Illustrated cover is the one that I was on. Let me show you all. Okay. Oh, right I didn't here. know that. Let you me see, see. Right here. You oh, see Nate that is and so Atone, cool. And there you see me right there in the background. <laughs> that's awesome. Do you have that? Do you have that at home? No, I don't. No, just why a, not? Uh, why can't not? Really tell it's me. Stop the Steelers. It looks like a person. No, I love <laughs> that. But that is me on there. My my prize and, and Nate jumping up and after celebrating. That is so cool. I think that you should have it framed. I might, yeah, maybe I do. Yes. Maybe I should. My, my prize possession, and this is the one that my, my dad collected several of them, and I have one at home, and he has one back in Tennessee, is the 1998 Tennessee Vols cover with T. Martin, uh-huh. where it says perfect on there when, mm. they, when they won. That's, that's my prize cool. possession. Yes. Okay, another story for you guys, and I was kind of debating about if I should bring this up or not because it's an NHL story. We have had some people texting in about this. <laughs> I'm going to really walk a fine line with this okay. Grim report, okay? But we're doing some investigative journalism. So where this rumor came from, nobody really knows. It started on Twitter, social media, and started growing like wildfire. There is supposedly <laughs> a reason why Corey Perry has um, been missing from the Blackhawks recently, and Twitter believes it's because he had a relationship with Connor Bedard's mom. Are we having a Zach Wilson situation happening amongst the Blackhawks right now? I think this is worse. <laughs> And there's nothing to prove that any of this is real. I'm sure that there's something very serious going on and as to why Corey Perry hasn't been around. But still, you know how social it's media gets. It's very irresponsible. It is. Because how can Corey Perry and Connor Bedard ever have a player relationship now? If that's what happened. <laughs> or if it didn't. I mean, Connor Bedard's always going to think about it. But if it you didn't happen, the truth, then yes. You, you, I mean, hopefully... That's not what took place. But, you know, it, it is. If it is, there's one way to fracture a, a locker room. We had it here, and it wasn't a mother, but it was uh, the... Randy, it happens well, more than, than people think. Yeah, but uh, Brendan Janian is still married to yeah. Craig Janney's ex-wife. It's so, not, it's, uh, and they were best friends and line mates. Okay. Yeah, that's not okay. I mean, you had the, the, the yeah. Tony Parker and, and, and uh, which was the Barry... Oh, Drew yeah, Barry huh? yep. or John, John Barry, right? John Barry. John Barry. Yeah. Drew Barry. Drew Barrymore? Is Drew Barrymore. Drew yeah. Barrymore. Yeah. John yes. Barry. Yeah, it happens in Rick hockey Barry. all the time. And it's, yeah. wasn't there one where it was a, a coach with a player's significant other? I think somewhere somewhere recently. Yeah. yeah CD, have you heard that story before? What? What's uh, no, I don't know. I've heard plenty <laughs> of your stories. <laughs> CD, give us just a just a snippet of one story. No? Okay. Things happen. Um, it's unfortunate. And, you know, yeah, yeah, you probably shouldn't mess with a teammate or a coach or a no. player. Or, you know, a kerfuffle, if you will. Yeah, that would, that would cause you, a kerfuffle. If you want to ruin a season... Just do that. That will uh, that'll ruin it for you. Oh, hey, 
I, I, yeah, that has happened. Going down the wrong way quickly. Mm-hmm. It goes downhill fast, too. Is that another scary part, kind of playing into the AI portion of things, where a rumor with no proof, there's nothing where there's any sources cited or it's not even somebody reputable that could be putting it out there, that somebody could just put something on the Internet and it catches like wildfire to the point where everybody believes it. So even if it's nowhere near true, now that's what people believe is the truth of the situation. Yeah. Perception is reality. Yeah, it's unfortunate. People will perceive that, and they won't look for, as we've seen with a lot of things. Uh, Facebook memes are concrete evidence for a lot of people. So they they aren't going to look any further than the the, the two lines of the the social media post, and they're going to think, oh, well, that's real. Got to be real if it's on the Internet. Here, here, I give you all. There's people that will only listen to, for example, like, one minute of our show and think, okay, this is how the show, is, the, the whole thing played out. You, you should listen to every part of it, right? Well, yeah, if, if you're going to listen to a segment, listen to a segment. There yeah. is a place in our world for nuance yeah. and for paying attention. And I, I know a lot of people, it's hard. It's hard for me to listen for more than a minute. But if I want to get the true story, I think I should listen to a whole segment. Usually works better for you, getting mm-hmm. all of the information mm-hmm. ins- instead of just a snippet. A, a two-minute condensed version of of pieces sliced together to make a whole you should you should get the whole thing agreed yeah i agree sometimes good and that is the grim report guys good job that That was great the grim report (laughs) the grim report tim greeper Tim, Tim Reaper. No, not no. Tim no, is that <laughs> we, we buried Tim Grieper a long time ago. Oh, we did. He's huh? not coming oh, back. Okay. Tim Grieper is alive and well. <laughs> it's my alter ego, like how Beyonce has Sasha Fierce. There you go. I have Tim Grieper. <laughs> and who did Michael the Cap? <laughs> who did what? Ron Mexico. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. NFL shop wouldn't allow you to get a Ron Mexico Falcons jersey. Oh man. <laughs> That's kind of a bummer. <laughs> I ordered one, but I could, they wouldn't send it to me. Oh. Kind of disappointing. Oh, they just took your ma- money? Allegedly. Well, then they gave it back. Once they, once they figured out what I was trying to do. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, great job today by our uh, producer, audio engineer, video engineer. Uh, he's not a Rocky O'Phillip. He's just he's a stud. He's, he's done this so many years. Voice uh, over great work. Appreciate that. Let's do it again tomorrow, shall we? We <laughs> shall. Yes. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun? I did. I did too. Oh, yeah. We don't have the sounds. Oh, no, we need no, the sounds. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. Show you go. want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. We've got a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.